Amen. The show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. It'll be fine on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnumidium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chief Sports Network. Juice Wells, all the way, touchdown Gamecocks. Pressure, Curly just dives in. All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios and built by the barndominiumco.com where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot. The barndominiumco.com if you live in the Carolinas, in Georgia, or in Tennessee. Of course, we're served by Chicken Cock Whiskey and boy, you need a lot of that sometimes when you get beat up 10 points with under five minutes to go on the scoreboard. Chicken Cock, you can find it in the Chief Sports app near you. Just play the Chicken Cock Challenge. JC will be here in just a moment. Pat DeMarco will be here at noon and John Whittle at 120. But Phil and I will get you going here on a Monday morning, October the 16th. They lost this weekend for Carolina at home against the Florida Gators. Plenty, I'm sure, to say on that. The text line is open. We've already received some texts, and I'm quite sure we'll receive plenty more. 803-766-6320 is that phone number if you'd like to get uh, – or that uh, text number if you'd like to get a hold of us, uh, please uh, please do. That's where you can do it. Of course, you can fill up the Nanosports chat box as well, Phil. And um, we will, of course, take a look at the rest of the SEC and what happened around the country. But this is a Gamecock program. And we know that people are very frustrated with what happened in Williams-Brice Stadium late on Saturday afternoon. Carolina now has back-to-back road trips to Columbia, Missouri and College Station, Texas. And they are in they are in jeopardy of really, really, really having a tough season uh, if uh, things don't get turned around really, really quickly. Clearly, the defense is uh, the main talking point and uh, the numbers just have not been good in recent memory for Carolina's that side of the ball for Gamecock football. So we'll get into all that today. But first and foremost, good morning, my man. How are you? I am well, JB. Doing well. You know, we've recovered from the weekend. I polished off a bottle of chicken cock. Yeah. <laughs> it helped. Yeah. <laughs> it helped. It was uh, <laughs> incredibly frustrating. You know, I, I picked Carolina to 
win Friday, 38 to 24. And I almost mm-hmm. hit the right score on the Carolina side of the ball. And quite frankly, there is no excuse for losing after scoring 39 points at home. That's my biggest takeaway. You can't lose that game. You you put up that many points at home, you cannot lose that game. And, you know, we'll cut it up and talk about it all, you know, throughout the week and, and, and kind of look ahead and see if there's anything, you know, that we can roll in there and pull off some upsets. You got to figure you might be favored to win two more games at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, man, yeah, you can't score 30. Well, 37 because I gave you two points at home and lose. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, look, it's um, the the defense, the defense have been, it's been bad. You know, I, I mentioned this last week that I, I thought that, you know, something needed to change over there. I don't know what it is, uh, but uh, the last nine power five games have given up 30 or more now in eight of those nine. The only one that they didn't, it's it just amazing, is on the road in Athens where they only allowed 24 points against the uh, the Georgia Bulldogs earlier this year, but um, 35.33 points per game allowed in that nine-game stretch. against Again, this is against the Power Five, uh, going back to actually last year's Florida game. So you're booking, ending it with games against the Gators down in the swamp where they scored 38, and then, of course, this year where they have found a way to get 41 points on the board. It, it's pretty disheartening. Um, and, you know, Phil, I – I don't have the fix because I'm not a defensive coordinator. There's no doubt about that. I spent um, Saturday evening and uh, Sunday on the phone with multiple people just trying to get a snapshot of what those whom are much smarter than I believe the issue is. And and I can tell you, I I, I agree with all of them. Collectively, it, this is not a talent problem. It's South Carolina, in my mind. Um, you know, it, we – you and I, I'm not when – I, when I say this, I want everybody, and and again, you know, there's about ten thousand people a day that watch and listen to our program, and we cannot thank you enough for for trusting us to be very fair. So, I'm not. Uh, I often joke about fans and this, that, and the other, and, and I always mean that very lightheartedly. And this is not a shot at fans. This is not what I'm saying. But we in the college football world, not just in South Carolina, college football world in general. But I'll I'll take conversation and, and direct it right at. Uh, the Gamecocks, because that's who we cover here, 12 months a year and a lot of the year when the team isn't playing because they only play three months out of the entire year, basically, uh, there's just so much focus on recruiting, always. Recruiting, 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 recruiting. Oh, man, we got this guy, right? Oh, we got that guy. Oh, this guy and that guy and this guy and that guy. And then a year, two, three, four years down the road, we don't have any talent. Well, yeah, that's not true. You know, like so, like you, you, every recruit can't be the savior of the position group or the savior of that side or the savior of the program. I'm not, I'm not even saying that any of them necessarily are, but there's always so much, you know, excitement around these kids that commit to play football here, and then you know, it very lazily happens from time to time that they just need to, they just need to keep signing players. They've signed a bunch of good players, and. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, Nick Eamon Worry was a freshman All-American last year. came out of nowhere. He didn't, That didn't happen by mistake. Um, you know, he's a good player. D.Q. Smith was a freshman All-American last year. Didn't happen by mistake. You know, he he earned that. Uh, Debo Williams has become one of the better linebackers in this league. Transfer out of Delaware. Not a highly touted kid, but worked his rear end off. Look what's happened. 
Uh, Elijah Davis is a four-star. Puff Howard's a four-star. Desmond Umiazulu is a four-star. Boogie Huntley's a four-star. Tonka Hemingway's a four-star. Jordan Strawn's a four-star. Stone Blanton's a four-star. Marcellus Dial and and uh, O'Donnell Fortune, while they're not four stars, those guys are very capable corners, very capable. And um, and so, where's where's the issue? You know, is is I I don't know if the coaching staff is watching this show. I, I don't want necessarily anybody to think that I'm sitting here trying to tell everybody what the answer is. I'm just throwing out a bunch of ideas because I don't know to have the discussion. Is there a problem in practice? Do they not practice well? Do they not game plan well? Do they not scheme well when the lights come on? Do they just not play well? I, I don't know, but I do know this. Defensively, they were actually really, I don't want to say good, um, but they were, you know, defensively, things seem to be moving in the right direction outside of a few games here and there over the last couple of years. And then last year in that Florida game, something just has totally changed and they have either just lost a bunch of confidence, whatever's on film is, uh, you know, maybe it's too vanilla. I've heard that a lot from guys that I talk to and ask about, you know, this defensive, uh, pro- the, the, the program from a defensive standpoint. So, you know, there's a lot of evaluation that needs to happen here. I, I'm not sure how much can get fixed in the middle of the year. I know this, uh, last year on offense, everybody, and me included, thought that there was just nothing they could do to get any better, and all of a sudden – it changed and uh, they had some things that they were able to go in there and adjust. And that offense took off. And, you know, this offense that we saw on Saturday, look, you go back to the beginning of the year, Phil, to where they are right now, offensively, they've gotten better. They've gotten better. Um, Spencer Rattler continues to be who he is. They found a running game. I, I like that group. They put out there on the offensive line this weekend. I hope Vershawn Lee is okay. That is Shane is dead on. That's a big change. Going to take your center and you put him at right tackle. You're going to take your left guard. Who knows how to play center? Of course, Nick Gargiulo. Move him in there. You're going to plug Trey Jones in. You know, to, to the left guard position. Starting two true freshmen. That seemed to be a, a pretty good little recipe on Saturday. That offense has gotten better throughout the year. Um, they've had some some mistakes. They've had their moments, but largely, I, I believe, and I think the large majority of all of us would believe they have just gotten better. And you scored 37 points at home. Against the middle of the road, the last two teams that they've played at home, Phil, and I'll 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 shut my mouth now, are mm-hmm. blue class, blue collar, middle of the road SEC teams, kind of where South Carolina is trying to climb that ladder, and collectively, Florida and Mississippi State have thrown for nine hundred and seventeen yards, and they have found a way to score seventy one points in Williams Bryce Stadium. Ooh. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, it's just. It's so disheartening. Uh, you look at it, uh, I mean, and I know, you know, if you were to ask Spencer Rattler and, and uh, you know, Dow Loggins, they're going to say, yeah, there were some opportunities at the end of the game where we had it in our hands and we could have put it away. Well, you know, <laughs> you had half the world thinking you'd had this game put away <laughs> with five minutes left being up 10. You know, you're like, all right, all we got to do, all we have to do is stop them. Yeah. Just once, and you couldn't. You couldn't. Yeah, you know. And and when you did stop them, they gave it to you to give you the two points. That way, you didn't have any time. You know, Spencer trying to make a play through the pick, not the best decision. And he he admits it. You know, just trying to make a play. But I mean, it's it's just 
it's it's hard to fathom. I mean, you know, it just really is at this point. Because, you know, people are like, we look at the 425, right? And that was what Ellis Johnson ran, right? And what was the one thing I remember about that era was bend but don't break. Like, you'd give up a boatload of yards. But when it came down to it, for the most part, on middle-of-the-road teams, you could keep them out of the end zone more often than not. And that was for success, even with mediocre offensive play during some of those years. Yeah. But now you've got an offense that is clicking at this. I think especially with the line changes that we saw. I mean, if if you couldn't tell after the first couple of drives that this line was, you know, firing on all cylinders as much as it could for a, a first time these guys are actually out in live gameplay, then it's just I, I don't know. I, I hate to say that we're going to waste this, uh, the, the ability to score points with what looks to be the inability to prevent points from being put on the board. Right, exactly. You know, and, and Shane highlighted a couple of things late on Saturday evening um, that uh, just, some you know, not being able to break down. You, you get to the quarterback and you basically run right by him and you slip and you fall and think, you know, we, we've got the right play call on here, which he, he wasn't wrong. I've gone back already and, you know, watched the game again. Uh, yeah, same. I mean, multiple, there were some definite, yeah. you know, I mean, just bad execution, you know, yeah. and that yep. and, and those mental errors, you know, but it's like these those weren't all done by freshmen, JB. <laughs> no, these are guys no. who've seen action. You know, so it's like, what, what is, what's the disconnect? Kind of like what you were going back to earlier. What, I don't know how to fix it because I'm not in the, I'm not in there. I don't know. I'm not at practice. I'm not going to say, I do know how to fix. I'm not going to say, you got to do this, 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 and this, but you know, for the two weeks of soul searching that we came out of, it looked like one side of the ball really effectively did what they were supposed to. And then on the other, it's just, I don't even know, almost like a step back at times. I mean, mm -hmm. just from a an execution standpoint. And it, it's just disappointing. Yeah, you know, I, I think that, you know, you know, I look here at the Nanosports chat box and there's um there's a lot of really good stuff in here. And, and you know, it's it it is it is good. This is this is a good fan base around here. Most people, you know, just want to have an honest conversation about things and, uh, you know, without firing from the hip on literally quote firing this guy and firing that guy and yada 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 and and um and i'm going to try to get to to a lot of these comments here and read them all because we certainly don't have the answers you know our job is going to be to 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 steer the ship in the right direction with the opinions we've got um you know i mean there were some things that that you know watching in that ball game saturday i, I know a lot of the stuff at the end of the game was highlighted because that's where they technically lost the game on the scoreboard but you know there were there were other plays in the game. I mean, Florida continuously attacked the middle of the field. There was a time where they were driving to the north end zone. The Gators were. Uh, they had just gotten backed up via a penalty. It was third down and twenty, and they were out of field goal range at that point in time. And again, I'm not a defensive coordinator, and and so I, I I'm asking the question here. I'm just trying. I was just trying to think logically, and. Um, during, again, watching the game in the ballpark, and then watching it afterwards, and asking that question, you know, if you've got if you if you're a defense preparing for a team that's out of field goal range on third down and twenty, might have been even third. I think it was third and twenty-one, 
and uh, they're they're just trying to get into field goal range. You, you would think that defensively, you're you're going to do whatever you can to cover the middle of the field, because the likelihood of get of converting a third down and twenty is very low, um, and you only needed at that point in ta- time. Florida did about ten yards or so, ten to fifteen yards, to comfortably get into field goal range in the middle of the field. It was wide open. Yeah, you know, and, and the I'm, one I'm guy sitting, that you let, yeah, the one guy you let beat you on that play is the one guy you knew you couldn't let beat you. Yeah, yeah, I I can't figure that out. Like things like that. Like is that um, lack of execution? Did somebody have a brain fart? Is that poor coaching? Is it all of the above? You know, like little things like that. Like you know, if you give up an out route. You know where you're you're going to back up and you're going to give them that underneath route that's going to keep them five to seven yards, whatever it is, and keep them outside of field goal range. That's defense. That, that is what it is. You give up 15 yards right down the middle of the field where they're just able to just tee it up and kick field goal. I don't understand that. Um, that's the one spot on the field where that offensively they're going to try to go. They're going to try to attack it if they can to give their kicker a good opportunity. So. You know, there there were a lot of things like that that were happening Saturday. They have been happening around here for a while. This is not like the reaction to the defensive performance Saturday was not because they had a bad day. It's because they've had a bad ten months, and 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 it's it's really the 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 other side of it. You just mentioned it a moment ago, and and I think you're exactly right. Is you know Spencer Rattler. This he came back to to try to do something special, and maybe special with this team was only winning eight games or seven games or something that might be considered special. This group, I don't know. Well, there's going to be a lot more evaluation at the end of the year. Um, but they have really largely underperformed on the defensive side of the football, and and that has taken away a lot of the shine what, uh, of what could end up being by the time it's all said and done. You know, the greatest single season performance ever by a South Carolina quarterback. Almost very reminiscent of like Dylan in 2014. Carolina blew three double digit fourth quarter leads that year. Could have probably won nine or 10 games. Should have. Tanny Hill back in the early 90s pitched it all around the yard. Defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. You're kind of in a similar spot here. And um, it's pretty disheartening with a, and there's a bunch of kids over there that not do only do I think, and I've seen with my own eyes, but you know, others would tell you there's a lot of talent. Uh, there's a lot of talent on, on that side of the ball. And uh, so it's been pretty disheartening to see the, uh, the, the poor performances uh, on, on defense. What changes? I don't know, but um, we will, uh, we will certainly continue to have, the conversation here uh, for for the next few days, and and we'll see what they look like this weekend in in Columbia, Missouri. It is eleven twenty one. We do have some some uh, text line texts to get to here in just a little bit, and then of course uh, we've got plenty of you in the Nana Sports chat box, and and we will fuss and discuss throughout the afternoon. Again, Pat Demarco and John Whittle, they are both ahead on our program. We're excited to get them in. 803-766-6320 if you'd like to send us a nugget uh, for us to get to on the other side of the break. Of course, you can continue to fill up the chat box. Make sure you've downloaded the Chief Sports, downloaded the Chief Sports app. Uh, you can click the Connect button in there as well, and, and you can 
reach all of us individually. You can reach our text line, whatever you would like to do. Uh, speaking of the Chief Sports Network, it is presented by Dixie Vodka, and that is a fine, fine, fine flavor of vodka. If you've never had it, it is fantastic. fits great in my, yes, five-calorie cranberry juice for all of you who like to make fun of me. still makes me feel better when I drink that versus the sugary stuff. JC will be in when we get back here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce of any goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the south in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the south. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barn Doe Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock owned and operated. It's 11:24 inside the Gamecocks. The show. Want a uh, couple of quick uh, nuggets to pass or to get out here before we dive back in with JC and his thoughts uh, from Saturday. JC, of course, is fresh off of a uh, fresh JC and Morgan this morning. But uh, special thanks to uh, Shelly Levin and Pat DeMarco and, and the entire cast and crew of the uh, South Carolina Letterman's Association. Quite an honor to be able to play golf out there on. On Friday, want to highlight the two teams that won. We finished fourth. We shot a 59, thanks to the great Meredith Taylor and Scott Wingo. Uh, I couldn't find the putter, and uh, my my our fourth one, Logan, uh, he he could he he couldn't find the putter either. We'll just we'll just leave that there. But um, Jeff Grant's team won our division, and uh, Pat DeMarco and Stephen Flint that team won the other division. I'm pretty sure the whole thing was rigged. So, Pat, you cheating son of a, you know what, we'll see you at 1135, and I got something to say to you. I'm just kidding. Jeez. It was a blast, and uh, we, we really had so much fun out there at Fort Jackson. And uh, hat tip to all the fine women and men of America who are protecting our country out there in Fort Jackson. Really do appreciate them. And, again, uh, thanks to the Letterman's Association. Carolina Rise, I had to give a speech in front of Coach Beamer, which is rather embarrassing. But, um uh, Carolina Rise, we were able to highlight all the amazing things that J.C. and his team are doing. It's just 
just outstanding, just outstanding. And um, and uh, Jalua Solomon commits this weekend. South Carolina will get to more of that a little bit later on. Um, so um, really do appreciate them for allowing us to be uh, so involved and see a bunch of great Gamecocks uh, on Saturday out there in uh, in uh, Northeast Columbia at Fort Jackson. All right, JC, uh, 41-39, of course, the final. You and I spoke after the game Saturday night uh, about a lot of this as well. Uh, glad to have you in. Clearly an animated uh, Nanosports chat box today. But honestly, everybody in here, nobody's falling apart. You know, they're all just trying to figure it out like the rest of us. And uh, and I want to say this again. I really appreciate all the fans because um, people care. And they're wondering what in the world has been going on with this program. You know, the defensive numbers, J.C., speak for themselves. The last nine Power 5 games, they've given up 30-plus points. In eight of those nine, 35.33 points per game allowed this year, uh, or I'm sorry, during that stretch uh, to uh, Power 5 teams. And and when you go look at all the rankings on the 2023 defense across the country, it, you know, really is, is just, it's just quite pitiful. Uh, over 450 yards per game allowed, that's 124th in the nation. They give up over 321 yards per game through the air. Uh, a guy threw for 423 this weekend who's never thrown for over 300. He's been in college football since 2019. Uh, that number is good enough for 133. Their scoring defense is 107th in the country. Their rushing defense has really come along nicely, uh, and they've been able to do a good job there. Uh, they're up to 55th in the nation. Their last couple of performances stopping the run have been pretty good. Um, tackles for loss, that's 120th in the nation. Fourth down conversions, 121st in the nation. Uh, they're, uh, they've only sacked quarterback 13 times this year. Now, they did sack Graham Mertz four times this weekend. That's a really good number, you know, um, but uh, couldn't stop the ball flying through the air against them. They've only got seven, I think, turnovers in the 2023 season. Clayton White's signature uh, on this defense for the last two years has been turnovers. They've just not been getting those. Uh, so there's a lot of issues to work through on that side of the ball, and um, you know, the offense has continued to improve, and the defense, J.C., in my honest opinion, uh, along with special teams, really, special teams has had some issues, but the defense primarily has continued uh, to decline. Yeah, there's issues on defense, and I'd be lying if I said it wasn't sort of a concern coming in. I don't think people thought it would be this bad because um, it's bad. I mean, there's no way to spin it that this is a bad defense. Uh, this defense, when you do things like hold Mississippi State to 3-30, I mean, like, I thought that Mississippi State game was just a weird deal. Um, I said, surely that won't happen again, right? Well, it did. Uh, you basically have one guy you need to stop from killing you uh, in the passing game, and you, you don't do it. Uh, great. You, you slowed their run game. Well, that means you should have won. If you'd have told me before the game, Carolina's going to outrush Florida 152-71. to I'd been like, well, they're winning that game by three touchdowns. Mm -hmm. But no, 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 no. This is why we can't have nice things, right? We we can't we can't stop the pass all of a sudden. And Shane's right. This is not a young group back there. Those guys in the secondary have played a lot of ball. And and so here's what I'm seeing. And this is I'm not a coach, right? But I noticed this from the North Carolina game on. I've noticed this. And it kind of falls under the category of the other teams have coaches too. <laughs> yeah, people don't realize that. There's smart people working at all these places. Yeah. 
opposing offensive coordinators have figured this thing out. And it is a clinic against South Carolina's defense right now as to how to get favorable matchups and exploit them. I don't know what Mike was doing, Bobo, in the first half in the Georgia game, but he started, he adjusted in the second half and he saw what happened. Uh, and it was just, it was matchups. How do you get, how do you expose weaknesses on the defense? It's offensive coordinator one-on-one. Dowell Loggins does the same thing for South Carolina's mm-hmm. offense. Mm-hmm. But it is, whatever they're doing, it, it's like they know. They, they're, nothing's being disguised. Uh, you know, they may think they're disguising it, but they're not. Um, and, and in that situation, when you're up three, and they have to have a touchdown to beat you. And it's bad enough that you're not up four because you missed the extra point. And that's a different – I don't know why that keeps happening. But you missed the extra point. So, you know, you're up three. Hey, look, the only way they're going to beat you is to score a touchdown. Uh, how in the world do you end up in a situation where Nick and Warre has coverage on a deep post against their best player, Ricky Pearsall, or their best receiver? You have one guy to stop. Yeah, we were talking about the Georgia-Florida game coming up with Mike and the Florida fans that we have a chance now. And I'm like, well, maybe. But I think Georgia's coaches are good enough to know. You know, Kamario Lassiter probably needs to be on Pearsall, right? Their best cover guy. Uh, Georgia Georgia knows that they got to stop the run, too. That's three things to stop. You know, three ETN, Montrell Johnson, and Pearsall. And you can't let – you can't stop two of them. And let the other one kill you like Carolina did. Well, Georgia will take Georgia will show you how to do that here in a couple of weeks. But I'm at the North Carolina game sitting there, and I've said this before, and all of a sudden I see them run this deep cross with a tight end, one-on-one with Stone Blanton. All right, you'll take that matchup every single day. We talk about tight ends all the time and getting matchups against a safety or linebacker that are favorable. Okay, you know, that happened. Furman killed South Carolina with the slant the entire first half until they finally adjusted. The slant, right? I mentioned Georgia. All right, let's move on. Mississippi State, Tulu Griffin on DJ Smith. They exploited the crap out of that all night long. Carolina finally did adjust in that one late, right? So then we go to Tennessee. Carolina could not stop their backs running the ball, you know? Uh, And then fast forward to the Florida game after an open date, no less. And Billy Napier carved up that defense play calling wise like a Christmas turkey. Sometimes it's not coaching guys. Sometimes it is playing and it is. And, and look, Marcellus Dial missing that tackle, man, he, he picked the wrong day to have his worst game of the year. Marcellus has been playing good. Teams haven't even been challenging him, but man, you, you gotta, you can't let that happen on a fourth and 11. So that's play. That's a player, right? That's on the player. But then there are a lot of other things just in the totality of it that's definitely some sort of coaching issue, like getting and it's basically getting out coached. And you see this with defensive coordinators sometimes. Even there's been good defensive coordinators, right? But the great ones continue to reinvent themselves. Uh, and I'll give you some examples. Brian Van Gorder, right? Remember Brian BVG? Georgia under Rick, awesome defensive coordinator, right? I mean, that defense they had, they would knock the slobber out of you. Thomas Davis, all those cats. So he goes and uh, goes, he comes here for a little while, goes to the Falcons for a while, ends up coming back to Auburn for one year and was awful. 
Well, then he went back to Notre Dame, kind of reinvented himself, was good for a few years in Notre Dame, but then became awful again. Ended up getting fired. Okay. Uh, that guy in 03 was the top D coordinator in the country. But guess what? Everybody caught up to it, right? There are all kinds of defensive coordinators out there like that. They're, they're, they're really good, and they, they, have, they build their name and whatever. And the next thing you know, they're giving up a ton of yards. I mean, it even happened to, like, some great ones like Bud Foster at Virginia Tech. You know, outside of that game against Ohio State later in late in his career up there, um, where they game planned all summer and had a great game plan for them and, and beat them, pulled the upset. Uh, the lunch pail defense was getting slaughtered, you know, especially against like teams like Clemson that had a lot of skill. The lunch pail defense wasn't stopping anybody. Um, and so I think to be a great DC, I mean, I, I'll even I'll throw another name out there for you too from here, Tyrone Nix. Knicks takes over the defense in 05. Those boys played great. They played a really good 06, and then by 07, they figured it out. And you, you, you just get tattooed. The great Joe Lee Dunn was that way late in his career. People figured it out. You know, you can't you can't just go back to, you know, you, you got to constantly reinvent yourself in this game, especially on the defensive side of the ball with, with everything kind of being focused toward the offense. And, and I don't think with the talent they have on that side, uh, you know, are they deficient in some areas? Yes. Do they need more depth in some areas? Absolutely. But that's that's not the worst defense in the SEC personnel-wise by far. It is absolutely, absolutely a coaching situation with that. Um, and, and it's simply in-game and good calls against bad calls and then the other team's executing. You know, Graham Mertz may not be the most talented quarterback in the world, uh, but he's going to execute if it's open. He's accurate. Same with Will Rogers. You know, why? You know, what are you thinking? And and then the final part about this this turnover thing, you just look at college football year to year. You're not ever going to be able to count consistently on turnovers because there's some years you get a bunch and some years you don't, and you're doing the same thing fundamentally. You're, you're trying to get the ball off. It's not like, you know, it's not like you're not. It's just sometimes they don't come. You, know, you ever heard the saying, that's the way the ball bounces? Well, the, the ball sometimes doesn't bounce your way all the time, right? Um, but that, that, that loss, man, like I said, that was worse since Kentucky 2017, maybe the Tennessee game in 2014. I mean, th- that's just very un-Carolina at home to blow a 10-point lead like that and uh, in that amount of time against a, a team that, quite frankly, is pretty pedestrian offensively. You know, so something has to change. Uh, they're going to get boat raced this weekend if if nothing changes because Missouri's too good. Mm-hmm. Missouri's too good. Missouri's too good. I don't know if Luther Burden's going to play. They're talking about him being injured. But and that will help, obviously. But you can't go out there and play like that. They're going to light you the – they're going to light you up just like they have the last two, three years. So something, I don't know. And I don't know. I'm not smart enough to tell you guys exactly how they need to change it, but they need to change something because they figured the scheme out, you know, and part of, part of, you know, somebody from within the program told me, well, their coaches did a good job of identifying matchups and exploiting them. And that's, that's coaching. That's what coordinators do. And if you're a defensive coordinator, your job is to make sure that doesn't happen. Yep. <laughs> I mean, 
Uh, you know, why in the hell is Nick Emman wore a cover in a critical 47 seconds left on a deep post? Why? Why? Line up 10 guys at the goal line. Who cares? They're, all, they're up three. You're up three. They can only tie without scoring a touchdown. A touchdown. Come on. Get it. People hate prevent defenses. I'm sure the hell like to line that Florida kicker back up for, for a, a game time field goal after they blocked it the last time. Line him up. You know, you don't lose the game like that on a, on a terrible. I mean, look, Nick Imawari is a fantastic football player, but you cannot put him in that position. You, you just can't. He's not a guy that's going to cover Ricky freaking Pearsall on a deep post. Yeah, you know, and, and if, it, if it wasn't man, and if it was kind of quarter zone or something like that, then you know you, you need to call timeout and, and and get some other guys out there, you know, that that can because that's the only way Florida was going to win the game was to do that. And so I, I'm extremely disappointed uh, with uh, with with what I've seen this year as far as opposing coaches, you know, finding and identifying Carolina's weaknesses on defense then exploiting them, and then nothing else happens. You know, nothing else happens. I couldn't say any better. I mean, uh, you know, I totally agree with you. I mean, I, when you and I were talking Saturday night, I, I the players are going to make mistakes. They, they make mistakes whether you're winning or losing. Um, that, that always <laughs> – there is not going to be uh, a perfect football player, right? I think we can all agree on that. But but they but these guys are making too many mistakes, and and I've watched we've all watched these kids play. I mean, in, I'm talking about individually, sound better football than they have been playing, and so you know it's it's just in my opinion it it is not a talent issue. They might not be the most talented roster in the SEC, and they're not, or in the SEC East, and they're not. But I mean, you know this. It ain't because they don't have players. I've just well, I'll leave that there. So you know, what are they going to fix? I don't know. I agree with you, JC. I I do think one of the things uh, I keep hearing the word vanilla when it comes to to this defense and their scheme and and how they do things. Um, and I think it is. And when you're vanilla and you don't, you can be vanilla if you've just got dudes, right? Like if you've if you've got some of those Nick Saban Alabama defenses or some of the defenses we've seen at, at Georgia from time to time. Uh, heck, back when uh, Brent Venables had all those players up at Clemson, although they were very aggressive, they could be vanilla because they just had collectively the, the best group of talent in college football on one side of the ball. Um, Carolina's got a bunch of talent over there, but they don't have the best group of talent in the whole country. They are talented enough, and and they are very, very vanilla. vanilla. And uh, the best players – on all these teams continuously have their best nights. These quarterbacks who you think shouldn't be changing the game, they are, um, you know, against them. And, and it's, it's really defeating at this point in time. So, and deflating. You got, you got, you got two straight road games coming up. You don't have Vanderbilt and you don't have Jacksonville state. Those are the next two. You wish you had those two coming up to try to work through the kinks. But they don't have it. They've got eight quarters in Columbia, Missouri, and College Station, Texas. And as you just pointed out a moment ago, you know, although we have seen a lot of this around here from time to time where you just don't have a lot of hope going into the game and then they show up and you're like, well, where in the world has this team been? 
Shane's pretty good at getting them ready to go and go do those things. So hopefully they see that. But it is it's it's pretty alarming knowing what could be coming the next couple of weeks, uh, pairing that with where they are at two and four. Well, you just got to hope that Dowell Loggins can dial up a game like he had Saturday and, you know, you can win a shootout in Como. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm worried about is, you know, if you know drinking is going to have a solid game plan. And if it's not working, adjust it mid-game. But interesting things in the Napier play. You look at their first two drives, Florida ran the ball ten times and passed it six. And that netted them ten points. Napier figures that out. The next drive, it was nothing but passes until they got in short yardage and ran it one time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how it was for him to be like, this isn't working. <laughs> but, but we I, called a good game. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, he did. So he, uh, he, he, he got to really tip your hat to him. But like I said, so <laughs> did Chad, Chip Lindsey, and so did the Furman OC, yeah. and so did freaking Mike Bobo in the second half. Uh, in fact, I think a little less of Mike. Uh, and you know, guys, I know you know I'm a big fan of his. I, I I don't know what he was doing first half against Carolina. He was a little I mean, he, yeah, he, did, he, he didn't he, he didn't have his best start. Oh, Bobo didn't have a best start in that one. Uh, so did uh, the guy that's the, Brad. What's his face from Upstate that's now at Mississippi State? He figured this out, right? Do uh, you know Josh Heupel definitely figured it out, right? And then this guy Billy Napier figured it out. So we're through six games. And every opposing offensive coordinator has eaten Clayton White's lunch. And I said, I'm not, I'm not trying to call him out by name, dude, but he calls the defense. He's the coordinator. No, right. Yeah. yeah. And, and th- those chess matches are not going his way at all. No. I mean, and, and, and that's what it is. I mean, it's, it's not, I mean, sure, players make mistakes, but players make mistakes in every game. You can't continuously put your guys in positions to fail. And that's what's happening because, like I said, other, other teams, they're looking at this going, all right, well, here's if we do this, this, and this. We're going to end up with DQ Smith covering two Lou Griffin. We're going to end up with Stone Blanton on a fast tight end. We're going to end up with Nickham and Warre trying to stop Pearsall on a post. And that's good coaching versus bad coaching. Okay, in game, good calls versus bad calls. That happens. And, and you know, these days the defensive guys aren't going to win all the time. It's more of an it's skewing more towards offensive football, and I get that. But like Kevin pointed out in the chat box just now, guys, I don't think people are asking for everybody to go out there and be the freaking steel curtain. No, nobody's asking for that. Just give your team a chance to win the game. Offense is good enough to win here mm-hmm. this year. Okay, uh, they got a good offense, even without Juice Wells, man. They that's a hell of an offense they got going, and they and they're getting better. And it's just such a shame. You know, they made the move on the O-line with Vershawn Lee moving out to tackle, which I thought worked, you know. He gives yeah, a veteran okay. out there. Yeah, hopefully he's okay. Yeah, so. But but I I thought the line got better. I thought, you know, I've been, I've been kind of wanting Josh Simon to play more. I think everybody sees why now. Yeah. And look, lo and behold, after three games, I'm going to say they found a running back. Mar- Mario Anderson, <laughs> he's rushed for 300, almost 300 yards in three games. I mean, that, that's – Compared to where they were, that's uh, that's all you, know, you asked for. Yeah, you mentioned someone mentioned Kawan Banks. Yeah, dude got out there against North Carolina, got a pick, was playing. Mean, so, so where's 
you know, why can't we're, we're, we're I, here's a, you know, uh, these guys have good games and then they disappear. <laughs> That's not what we're used to on defense, right? This is this, this was a nar- narrative that we have been going through last year with offense. And now it's just baffling. Like Banks, I'm looking. I don't see how many. Okay, he had one tackle, not even solo. So how many snaps did he play? I don't know. But why not give him another chance? <laughs> why not? Your bigger safeties, obviously. Yeah. Look, they are very good players, guys. DQ yeah. and, and Nick are very good players. But your bigger safeties, they're, they're not the, – they may be not the best in coverage, are they? No, not yet, right? See, maybe you need to put one of these little guys out there. They can cover. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, especially in a dang situation like that, dude. You just – you got to protect the – you got to keep them out of the end zone. I mean, or, or even, you know, even shame – Maybe call some if if they're driving on you. You're not call a timeout to try to get the ball back. You, you know, well, if they score, we got to get the ball back, so we're gonna call a timeout. I mean, I just and that that's not a criticism of Beamer. That's just something that maybe that hind, hindsight they could have done. It's not hindsight looking back and going, you know, hindsight looking back and going. Well, this play, this matchup was terrible. This was terrible. This was terrible. This is terrible. You know yeah. all that, so I just uh, it was just uh, it was bad. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's it's we've we're we'll, it'll be talked to death. There's no doubt. There are a um, there are a lot of problems uh, that need to be solved quickly because uh, 35 points per game in their last nine Power Five games is that's that won't win you really any of them unless you are scoring 36 and you can't just you can't count on them to do that every week not in this league not in this league uh the sec is just flat out too good we'll continue the conversation we do need to take one more time out here um i've got uh, a a couple of chat box or i'm sorry i've got a a couple of questions to get to on the on the text line 803-766-6320 if you're out moving around driving around and it's easier for you to just pop us a quick note there have at it uh, otherwise, you can fill up the chat box, and of course, you can always contact us via the Chief Sports app. Eleven forty-eight here on Monday inside the Gamecocks. The show is powered by our friends at Electric Bikes of Charleston. Michelle Wilkins. It's never too early, by the way, to start thinking about Christmas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's right around the corner. If you if the, you need that big gift, there it is. ElectricBikesCharleston.com. We'll be right back. It is time.
preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Sinorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Final quick segment here, hour number one. Pat DeMarco is ahead to lead off hour number two, the great golfer, Pat DeMarco. Coming up this weekend, Palm Casual in Somerville, South Carolina, has their annual warehouse clearance sale. Listen closely. 
listen very closely. If you need anything, anything for the outdoors, you will not find a sale at any point in time, anywhere like this with the quality of stuff that they have. It is wild what is what they do every year during this warehouse clearance sale. I know that. This isn't one of those things where you just read a piece of paper because somebody paid you money to do it because I know the owner. I've known him for a long time, Aaron Beasley. Uh, he's one of the great dudes out there. Beginning at 7 o'clock Sunday morning, the warehouse clearance sale begins. It's 350 Holiday Drive in Somerville, right next to the interstate. If you're anywhere in the low country, if you're in Columbia, if you're somewhere in between, if you're going to be in town for whatever reason, it goes all day, 60 to 80% off of the factory pricing. I mean, you're talking about Sombrella Deluxe Cushions. You're talking about wicker seating, teak, cast aluminum, polymer furniture. I mean, you're talking about literally everything. Um, we are going to be there Friday for a live remote during this program. Uh, or at least I'll be there. I don't think JC's going to make it in from uh, Chicago. And uh, Phil, has he doesn't need to worry about making it in from Greenville. But I'll be out there. Michael Flint will be on set with me as well. Um, and we can't wait to be there to promote this thing for the weekend. But, again, it begins at 7 o'clock, 350 Holiday Drive in Somerville at Palm Casual. Uh, it's one of the neatest stores out there. They have supplied furniture for the coaches' offices at South Carolina. Uh, they are the largest outdoor cushion manufacturer in America, and this company was started by the Crowfoot family. You might remember Ike Crowfoot, former long snapper at the University of South Carolina. Uh, Aaron is business partners with those guys, and um, they do just an unbelievable job. So uh, really looking forward to being out there. If you literally need anything that you can dream of at a discounted price, it's the best made outdoor furniture in the country. It's at Palm Casual, 350 Holiday Drive, coming up. On Sunday, you can come see us as well if you're going to be in the Somerville area on Friday from 11 to 2. Uh, we'll have some things. Anybody who wants to pop in and, you know, grab some some stickers and stuff like that. If you want to support our program or just want to come shake our hand and look around while you're in there, uh, please do so. So looking forward to getting out there on Friday and certainly looking forward to that sale on Sunday. I already told Weasel I've put a little money aside to come to come uh, update some patio furniture. So I uh, can't wait to, to see everybody up there. But um JC, uh, really looking forward to hearing to what Pat has to say here in just a minute because um, didn't get to uh, a lot of the video stuff. Um, I uh, had a had a pretty wild morning, and so wasn't able to get into all that. Um, but really, don't need to. I've got some pretty simple questions for Pat, and that um, we'll get his get his expertise on. Uh, because this this team they're they're sitting at two and four, uh, it, they're they're steamrolling towards a really disappointing season to say the least. There of course is ample opportunity to get a lot of things turned around, um, but again, as we pointed out, and we only have a couple of minutes left here, then we got to go. You wish that the next two games were flip flop with the following two games. You wish you had a couple of get right games coming up. The two and four record stands on its own merit. But you're going on the road, and and you're going to two SEC environments where you just have not had really any success outside of a miracle comeback in 2013, thanks to Connor Shaw, and then uh, you know back in 2017, Debo gets you off on a good start with the opening kick. Outside of that, you hadn't done much in Columbia, Missouri, and you've really never done anything in College Station. So uh, they're 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 going to really have to dig deep this week and try to figure some things out. Absolutely, it's time to stop the bleeding. 
uh, especially defensively. Um, I'll say this. I think Missouri's better than Florida on defense, uh, especially up front. So that's going to be a challenge. You, yeah. you got to pray for Sean Lee's healthy and can play this weekend because, you know, Fugar went in there, tried his best, but it was a definite downgrade when that happened. Um, and they got good players. They've done well in the transfer portal. Uh, is it a dominating defense? No. Uh, there's some teams that have ro- risen up on them and scored some points. Uh, but they get the job done. They get turnovers. Um, and then their offense is just clicking on all cylinders. Luther Burden, I need to get an injury report for him. Uh, Craiger, during J.C. Morgan said Burden was hurt. That would be good for the Gamecocks because he's a, he is, he's their best player on offense. Uh, but then they're going to try to do what they always do to Carolina and run the football and dink and dunk and all that. One thing that's been talk, not been talked about enough for Missouri this year, Eli Drinkwitz is not calling the plays. It's Kirby Moore. They, they hired him away from Fresno State uh, to come in. He's kind of from that Chris Peterson, Kalen DeBoer type coaching tree. Um, he's good, and, and and their offense makes a lot more sense now. Sometimes the head coach – I've never loved Drinkwitz's offense anyway. Too many short passes. I didn't like it at NC State. But, uh, I mean, this guy's got him going, and Brady Cook's playing really, really well, not yeah. making any mistakes. He's hurting you with your feet, you know, and all that good stuff. But the one thing you think about this, and this is this is the flip side, not trying to blow sunshine up anybody's backside, Lieutenant, but last year Missouri was struggling like this when they came to Columbia, and the Gamecocks had won four straight. Yeah. And we're five and two and ranked, and we saw what happened. Right. So in many ways – I think we've always talked about the SEC being a lot like the NFL, but the more I watch it, the more the years go by. When you look at the results from this league, the more it is like the NFL. Any given Sunday, any given Saturday, surprising results. There's a lot of parity. It's a bloodbath, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's not out of the question the Gamecocks go out there and win. Uh, it's hard to predict that. I don't know that I will. But, you know, like I said, last year, Missouri's struggling beyond belief, uh, came into Columbia and, and beat up the Gamecocks pretty good. So, and, and sometimes in series like this, the tide turns at unexpected times. I mean, Will Muschamp started 3-0 and against Mizzou, 3-0. and <laughs> And then, boom, one day it just wasn't happening anymore. So, uh, you never know what's going to happen. But, uh, you know, that's winnable. A&M's winnable, but. That environment, I mean, that's a much tougher environment than Mizzou, uh, I mean, in my opinion. Uh, so, it's uh, – if you're two and six going into November, you, you you better damn sure have a November to remember. I, I personally would not want to go into the Clemson game with bowl eligibility on the line in that one. Uh, yeah. I, I personally would hope they could steal one of these next two and get that yeah, – because I, I – you know, Kentucky to me – they, they're starting to get exposed a little bit because they can't – Devin Leary can't throw the ball. Uh, and their defense is starting to get leaky. And so – and Kentucky's got a just murderer's row, including Alabama, before they play Carolina. So you don't know what that team's going to be like when they come in the week before yeah. uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt, obviously, if you can't beat them, you're you, – you, mm. this is a bad, bad football team. Um, so – uh, you know, it's not and, – and Clemson's very pedestrian in a lot of ways on the offense. Uh, their defense is still elite. But 
you know, you just don't you just don't want to be sitting there at five and six having to beat your arch rival to go to a bowl. I mean, I I think you know you got to put everything you can into this one. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what kind of self scouting you need to do on defense, but you got to fix some stuff. Stop making it so easy on the other coaches and see what you can accomplish. Time for a timeout. Pat DeMarco is up next on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey, folks, it's JB, and as we all know, it's football season. My favorite place to shop for myself and the family is Gamecock Traditions in Lexington. They have the widest selection of Gamecocks attire, plus all the cool accessories for tailgating, cooking, kids, shoes, hats, and so much more. Most importantly for me, you can order online at GamecockTraditions.com, and it's shipped timely to your door. I've been shopping here for years, and I hope you will too. Order online right now on the Chief Sports app. Go Gamecocks. Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured. They provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to EliteRoofing.com. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. It's time for Talking Ball with Pat DeMarco on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Part of the Chief Sports Network.
All right, it's 12.05. Oh, this turned into a pretty tough reaction-type Monday around here. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks. The show served by our friends at Chicken Cock Whiskey. I saw somebody earlier in the chat box who said they had a bottle on Saturday. I hope you enjoyed it. It is smooth. You're right. And uh, we're glad uh, that you did. We're always glad to have our friend Pat DeMarco here who just tees it up and bangs it 350 down the fairway and then goes up there and chips it right up within about four or five feet, knocks it in for birdie, and moves on to the next hole. It's that easy, isn't it, Pat? I did make, I think, four own birdies in the golf tournament. And, I mean, I brought this out especially for you. Um, You guys didn't get one of these. It's the first place trophy. Oh. Um, I mean, I'll tell you what, it's, it's a pretty thing. But it keeps my water really, really cold, too. So um, it's doing its job. Well, I, you know, I, I bet it does. I, well, I look, I did get one of those cups. It was our gift for being the title sponsor. So, I, I, Oh, yeah, you, you bought yours. Yeah. It I, just I doesn't say that. first place on it. I had to – I've got a white magic marker that I wrote on the bottom of it. <laughs> I just said they forgot to have it engraved. That's all, you know. So oh. we shot a 59. I mean, that's good. Yeah, it was good for fourth place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, we shot 55 and i was far from i was far from the ringer i think i was the b player on our team we had um uh this guy that i'm working with taylor wolf he's a ringer he um he yeah. dropped some bombs putting he hit some bombs he actually hit it further than me on a long drive hole um which Ooh. was pretty impressive um but yeah i mean at least at least one group of Gamecocks got the win, and that was – I mean, I guess it was all Letterman playing. So, some some Gamecock had to win the Letterman's tournament. Um, thankfully, it was us. Well, first and foremost, I uh, really do appreciate you and Shelly and, and just everybody at the Letterman Association and uh, allowing us to be involved. We had, a, we had a blast, and it was so good to see so many of our friends, honestly, Pat. You know, it, it's neat to, to catch up with all these guys that um, – Obviously, you played with a lot of them. I played with a lot of baseball guys, uh, and just seeing everybody out there was just just fun. So, yeah. Friday was good. The rain held off. That was neat. The uh, the food was the ultimate tailgaters were there cooking for everybody. Appreciate them, yeah. and Mr. Fulmer. Yeah. And it was uh, it, it was an awesome turnout. We had uh, I think forty four teams, so a bunch of lettermen out there, uh, a bunch of sponsors. Appreciate you guys, JC and Carolina Rise. Y'all y'all held it down. Did a great job. Um, we raised a bunch of money for the Letterman's Association too. The auction items were were a big hit. Um, I won a big Traeger grill. Somebody won a did? golf cart. Yeah, I got the Traeger grill. No way! I was wondering who won that. Did anybody yeah. who who won the golf cart? Um, it was Patrick Keegan. Patrick Keegan. Um, and he, yeah, no, that was. I mean, that was the big ticket. I know. I kept getting notifications on my phone. You've been outbid. You've been outbid. You've been outbid. Um, I guess uh, well, that was the back nine. So the alcohol started kicking in, and people started uh, getting their liquid courage up and, yeah. and bidding me up. <laughs> yep, that's uh, that's that's about it. That's, that's how me and Wingo were playing. Uh, every time one doesn't land in the fairway, you just finish your drink and get another one, which was a lot. Well, he, so does Meredith Taylor really hit it like two eighty five off the tee? Did she? Yeah. Yeah. She well, like, how did you guys not win? She was playing up and her can any putts. Oh, I'll put that on me. We we had like there were literally like four holes where we all had eight to ten footers, uh, and and just I mean every time just couldn't couldn't get it to drop. I mean, 
good speed. The one I just couldn't get it to drop. It was it was pretty frustrating. And I blew it in the. I used a mulligan where I shouldn't have. I should have. I should have held it, and I didn't. So that certainly screwed us up a little bit later. But um, yeah, it's it's all right. We didn't want to win because we didn't want to feel like it was rigged being the title sponsor and all that. You know. So I made sure. Yeah, I told JC. I was like, dude, I intentionally missed a couple of eight footers. Just so you know. (laughs) Well, I mean, let's. I mean, moving on Saturday, I brought all four kids to the game. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like a victory in itself. Um, The we're we're in the Horseshoe Club. I'm pretty sure the Demarcos are probably banned from the Horseshoe Club now. Um, Two year old, one year old, completely gone ballistic in there. Um, but it was a pretty cool, I mean, we left beginning of the third quarter. So I was able to get home and watch the fourth quarter in the house and actually watch a little bit of football is about all I got to watch. I had a one-year-old jumping on my lap and a two-year-old punching me in the face, um, for the first two quarters. So it was nice to like be able to watch the game. And unfortunately, uh, the last 10 minutes weren't real pretty from the Gamecocks, but, um, was pretty cool to get those pictures and the memories of the of the baby's first games. Um, yeah, well, that's a, first of all, hats off to you and Kirsten for uh, for braving the storm with four children at a college football game with almost eighty thousand people in there. It was uh, yeah, it was disheartening, honestly, at the end, Pat. Mm-hmm. And, and I apologize to you because I did not, I just had no time this morning to to kind of get into the film room and get some things sent. Uh, over your way um, but um, you know you felt pretty good when it was 37 to 27 there at the end or, or getting towards the end of the game uh, Graham Mertz was uh, he had his best career he had a career game it was the best game of his life on Saturday 30 of 48 for 423 um, Shane actually specifically pointed out a play late in the game where they felt like they had the right defense called and you got some over pursuit there coming off of the edge and he was able to escape, fling it downfield and, yeah. and, um, and, uh, Marcellus dial ended up kind of getting boxed out there on that, on that big fourth down play. You remember that play is it, can you add any context to kind of what uh, coach Beamer was talking about in that moment? Oh, I don't know that one in specific. I know he gave up. I mean, just looking back to the stat line, we were, we were four of 15 on third down on defense. I mean, which is pretty good, right? We're just, uh, just over 20 conversion rate but fourth down wasn't the same wasn't the same stat line we were three or four on fourth down gave up just on the last two drives of fourth and 10 and a fourth and 11 um and to give up a fourth and 11 conversion on a little check down flat route where you miss miss two tackles and let the guy stumble across the first down that's um that's a dagger right i mean uh, you got to get that guy on the ground um and then you had the 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 double catch slant route that went for uh, that was a big third down conversion I think it was like third and eight or something like that of you know the first guy drops it and lands right into the hands of the second guy wow. so I mean you know a lot of it's execution but a lot of it is um, you know it's just kind of the will to go out there and like do what needs to be done to win the football game um, and it's frustrating. I'm, I'm going to ask you this question. I'm going to, and I'm going to ask it. Um, you know, again, as you well know, we we don't we don't bring you on our, our program at all to uh, to throw people under the bus and 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 slam kids and coaches and things like that. Or else, if that was the case, you wouldn't do it. Um, but I personally thought, and I just want to you know maybe get some context to this because 
probably not enough football knowledge in this big dome of mine to, to under, understand it. It seemed too often on Sunday that um, Nicky Mawari, who is an outstanding safety, he's a freshman All-American last year, but he, he, he drew the task of covering Ricky Pearsall, who is their best player, and, um, and, and that, that didn't work very well, at least the way that I saw it. Um, can you kind of walk us through why that mismatch or why that is such a mismatch and the challenge that Nicky Mawari had in, in covering his man one-on-one? Yeah, well, you know, man coverage is tough, right? It's a, it's a man, it's just like, um, you know, say you're the starting right tackle and you got a pass pro against Vaughn Miller, play after play after play. It's, you're going to get beat every once in a while. Um, I mean, Nick, I mean, what I noticed from last year, Nick's strengths, man, he's a, he was able to get guys on the ground. Um, I, I wouldn't say, I, I know he had some really good coverage plays last year, uh, but I would say more of his strengths were in the run game, getting the guy on the ground, being in the box making stuff happen. Now he has the length and the athleticism to make plays covering, but I mean, he'd love a little help. I mean, covering a slot receiver is really, really hard in the NFL and college football, even high school ball. Um, and, and I, and I saw DJ Swearinger kind of chimed in a little bit and said, we got to change things up. You can't leave this man one-on-one with in the slot from seven, eight yards off. Um, you know, it's tough sledding, but it's, um, you know, as as Bill Belichick, I mean, you know, his oh, he has these things, but do your job, right? I mean, um, it, it's as it's hard as that job is, you're still supposed to go out there and execute. And, and coming from the world of the NFL, um, if you play bad, they found a replacement for you for the most part in the NFL. Um, and, you know, that's not necessarily the college game, but um, – Hopefully they find better ways to utilize such a talent like Nicky Minore and don't put him maybe in man coverage against slot receiver who's going to get 15, 16 targets a game. Um, if not, maybe change up the coverages. Give him different leverage inside, outside. Um, have him some help over the top. Um, just find different ways. I mean, because you got to think, if, if you do the same thing over and over again, you're getting picked apart. Change it up a little bit. Um, now, I don't, I don't know – necessarily what those coverages were or what his leverage was on all those plays. Um, but I do know that Ricky had 10 for 166 and a touchdown. Um, so, um, you know, other than that, I feel like we relatively kept them kind of in check. So, but it, it, I mean, if, you, if you get off the field on those two fourth down conversions, we're sitting here and, you know, we're, we're, we're three and three and, and it's not doomsday. So it's, it's crazy how two or three plays can, Completely changed the scope of the season. Uh, still a lot of football ahead of us. Uh, you know, going in, we got we got two big road games coming up here, uh, and then we come back and you know, if our last or no, yeah, is it our last four in Williams Bryce Stadium? Yeah, so two away yeah. in the last four. So, yeah, um, you know, if we can, if if we can handle one of these two on the road, I mean, shoot, with the way Spencer's playing, you can win every single one of these football games. The guy's still playing at an extremely high level. Uh, you know, if we get juice back here soon to give Xavier Leggett a little blow, Trey Knox had a good game. Mario Anderson's still coming on strong. Um, so, I mean, I feel like the offense is holding their weight. The defense has got to start slowing some people down and getting off the field. Um We've been historically the last two years under Coach Clayton White. We've been very good at forcing turnovers. Uh, not so much this year so far. Um, so, 
ball needs to start bouncing our way a little bit, finding different ways to pressure, different ways to make the quarterback uncomfortable because it's been um, just from a sheer stat line, quarterbacks have kind of had our way with with our defense this year. Um, so need to put some new wrinkles out there, and I'm sure they will. They're, they're going to work hard, clean the stuff up, and, and, you know, it's not – it's never all on the players and it's never all on the coaches. Those guys have to cohesively work together uh, and figure it out. Pat, one thing I've noticed, and I thought about this earlier, uh, and it, it kind of goes into the category of the other team has coaches too. I think some people forget that. Other offensive coordinators this year specifically have been able, I think, to to call plays and and set up favorable one on one matchups. Uh, and that started in North Carolina when Ch- uh, Chip Lindsey would get his tight ends matched up with Stone Blanton, Furman. Yeah. Killed the Gamecocks with a slant before they adjusted. Uh, Georgia went in the second half, obviously found some weaknesses and exploited it. Mississippi State with Tulu Griffith going long. Uh, uh, Tennessee with a run game. And, and then yep. this past weekend, it was all Ricky Pearsall, you know. And, and that's, that's when you look at Florida, I think, you know, you want to stop their backs, and they did a good job yep. of that. Uh, and you want to start stop Pearsall. Uh, and then at the end of the game, you see Nick one on one on a uh, deep post against Ricky Pearsall. Yeah, is that something? And I know D coordinators go through this. I mean, you remember Brian Van Gorder, right? Yeah, uh, Falcons guy. He was at Carolina for a cup of coffee. Uh, you know, when he was at Georgia, great DC. Well, then teams kind of caught up with him, and, and by the time he was done at Notre Dame, wasn't so good. I think the best – and correct me if I'm wrong – the best coordinators are constantly evolving, reinventing the wheel, <laughs> make, make it, making it to where you can't figure them out. There's a lot of good defensive coordinators that do get figured out, but yeah. the great ones are the ones that evolve and all that. Do you think You think maybe they need to kind of evolve? Like you mentioned disguising a little bit more or whatever. I I, I don't even know really whether, if they are or not because I'm not an X's and O's guy, but it just seems every single game – it is a great play call against a bad play call, and then the other team's executing it. Yeah, you know, it's um, you when you become a little predictable, um, it's easy for offenses to really attack you. Um, and, and not having, not watch, being in there watching film every day, I wouldn't know if the defense is being overly predictable or not. But you'd think just from just from a naive seat that I'm sitting in right now um, that with the favorable matchups that teams have been getting on us, the, they have game plan us up. Maybe we are being a little predictable. Um, so it's, I mean, that was, I mean, that, I guess that's why a lot of these big time, pre- like when we used to play against, uh, you know, Sean McDermott and, oh, who was uh, uh, not, not Rex Ryan. What's Rex Ryan's brother's name? Um, Rob. Rob Ryan. Rob. Like th- those teams, you knew you were going to get pressure. You knew you were going to have to get, but but they they kind of made you adjust to what they were doing, not not vice versa. Um, right. So I, I don't know if it's maybe dial up more pressure. Maybe it's uh, try to make the com- quarterback a little more uncomfortable. Um, I mean, we had four sacks in the game, so it's not like we weren't you know causing hurries and pressures and, and getting the quarterback on the ground. It was just um, in in key in key circumstances we weren't making plays. Um, or putting our players in position to make plays, um, however it comes down to. But, yeah, I think just becoming predictable. I mean, playing against guys like Luke Keekley when I was in Atlanta, that guy, from a defensive standpoint, would call out every fourth or fifth play we were running to, to a tee. 
Um, so, I mean, you know, coaches and, and players, they're doing a lot of homework. I remember playing against different teams just based on their fronts. They were doing two things based on uh, based on safety alignment. They were doing two or three things. So uh, there's a lot of self-scout that you can do to dive in and get those answers. Um, you know, I wish I was able to watch a little more tape on Carolina to, to have more of an educated answer, but just from um, just from sitting in the stands and seeing things, I, I just giving up the matchups that we've been giving up and giving up the explosive plays we've been giving up. Teams have been able to manipulate matchups to work in their best behavior, whether it's based on leverage or whatnot. I mean, we did a lot of stuff with with Cole Beasley when I was in Buffalo. He was a matchup nightmare. He was about five foot nine, one hundred and sixty five pounds soaking wet, but he could make you miss in a phone booth. So, I mean, we did a lot of things to motion him to get him one-on-one against a, uh, against a linebacker or against a big box safety. We did different things to put him in matchups where he could succeed. Um, and that's what it seemed like they were able to do with Ricky. They didn't keep him stationary though. It wasn't that much of him kind of sitting there lined up at number two. They were moving him around to get him leverage, get him in situations to win. Um, but I mean, to speak on, to speak up Gamecock football, I mean, Dow's been doing a lot of that good stuff with with X and Trey Knox this week, and like he's been getting getting our guys in, in situations to win too. So um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of crossover from one on one time against you know, I mean because you know Beamer's not afraid to work those guys, so he's going to definitely probably have our one defense versus our one offense and getting good on good looks um, here these next couple of weeks because. These next two weeks are going to be a beast. Missouri just came back and beat Kentucky in a, in a heck of a football game. Um, and A&M, we all know they, they have the talent. They're not really putting everything on paper together. But who knows, when when that when a good roster starts clicking, that could be kind of scary to run into. So, um, it's you know, these next two weeks are tough. But, you know, if we can run out of here 2-0 and and get back to 4-4 four and four and then have season right in front of us, that would be huge. Pat DeMarco talking ball here on Inside the Gamecocks. The show we have driven by Lup Chevy in Columbia. Find new roads. Uh, Pat, what is today and tomorrow like uh, for in, inside that building? You know, you, you've got a bunch of things to manage here. You've got the preparation for the upcoming game. Uh, you've got to make sure that these guys have flushed what just happened on Saturday and, and make sure that that doesn't carry itself into the work week and then into the weekend uh, going to Columbia, Missouri. Uh, you're probably, I mean, obviously you've got some health things that they're, they got to take a peek at. Where's Vershawn going to be, which I'm going to ask you more about that here in just a second, by the way, the offensive line changes they made. Um, Mario Anderson got a little dinged up, but I think they feel like he's going to be okay and ready to go. Um, and and then, you know, probably doing a little internal evaluation as a staff from a staff standpoint, trying to figure out what are we doing and what are we not doing that is a lot giving these kids or are we putting these kids in the best opportunity for them to go out and be the best version of themselves? So there, there's a lot that Shane has to manage as the head coach uh, uh, this week. So w- what what will that look like today and tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, I, the big day was probably yesterday, right? I mean, breaking down that film, putting the grades out there, Um in the NFL, we all, or at least with Dan Quinn, we always called it Tell the Truth Monday. And I think I've talked about it prior on here, but you, you can't hide from the tape. The tape is – it is what it is. You are what you put on tape. So um, I think a lot of the frustrations and a lot of the getting over the emotions of, of losing a, losing the game like that, 
um, a lot of that stuff had to happen yesterday. Um, and like you said, now they're back on the game planning and getting ready for the next opponent. Um, the players are off today. So tomorrow they're back in there um, and, you know, grabbing your lunch pail and, and, and going back to work. Um, so I think, you know, the, the, the big thing is you don't want it to affect the locker room. And I don't think it will because Coach Beamer's built a heck of a culture here. Um, you know, they have such high high caliber people in that locker room, guys like Boogie Huntley, Tonka Hemingway, uh, Xavier Leggett, Spencer Rattler, um, you know, the presence of Ja'Kai Moore and uh, Nicky Minore. Like these guys, they've, they've, they've played some football. They've seen the ups and downs. I mean, last year wasn't a cleddy – a steady climb, right? I mean, there were some ebbs and flows in last year. We, you remember we, 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 the first half we played UNC Charlotte really, really tight. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, Holy smokes. This is, if, if we can't get past this one, this is going to be a long year. And then kind of the tide turned and we were able to, you know, beat Texas A&M, beat Tennessee, beat Clemson. So, I mean, there's plenty of time left for this season to turn around and us to be talking about a lot of good football on Mondays instead of the doom and gloom like we're doing right now. Um, so the, the the big part is just keeping the negativity out of the locker room, uh, keeping the spirits high, keeping the work ethic high, um, and, and just everything I know about Coach Beamer, he's going to do that, and, and his staff is going to do that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, getting through the injuries and, and – uh, I mean, that's just there, – there's adversity is always going to hit in any football season, whether you're in a little Pop Warner ball and Timmy, your starting quarterback, his parents go on vacation and he's out for the week. Like, there's always going to be adversity in all sports. Um, so it's about how you respond to it. And, um, you know, I think tomorrow the players got to go in there, completely erase the mindset of what happened previously and just go to work. You know, Pat, you you mentioned uh, you mentioned uh, some of the offensive stuff, and uh, if you go look at Florida this year, uh, they're sitting out five and two, three and one in the league uh, after that victory. But South Carolina's offense did did the best of anybody against them thus far. Uh, and, and when I was when I was watching the games unfold Saturday, it, it did look to me like an offense that can that has not only evolved uh, into being better than they were, but it, it's it's not just one side or the other now. I mean, they, they have found a running game with Mario Anderson. Yeah. Uh, Shane talked about they moved first Sean from center to right tackle. They moved Nick to the center job. They put Trey Jones in there at left guard and Trevon Baugh and Big Tree started at right guard and left tackle respectively. So you got two true freshmen uh, yeah. starting on the offensive line. Um, that, that seemed to work as long as they can uh, make sure that Vershawn is, is healthy. Uh, and, and so that this running game in just a short time has really come a long way. It's balanced this offense out a ton. The sacks are down, uh, which is tremendous. Um, you know, that type of impact moving forward, if, if you can find some consistency there, Pat, based on what we've seen at the beginning to where they are now, uh, and then moving forward, you know, you might be in line for a, a really, really good finish, being able to score some points, which – Based on what we've seen from the defensive side lately, they're gonna they're gonna need to do that. Yep. No, I mean I think uh, I think Lonnie and and Dow and those guys have done a great job of kind of reassembling the offensive line, shuffling to figure out where the pieces fit the best. Um, and you know, I mean that is not a group that had too much play experience. Um, I mean Nick Gargiulio has played in a bunch of games at at at, a, at, a, at Yale, but not 
not in the SEC, um, and having two freshmen. I mean, Trey Jones was played a little bit for us the last two years, kind of in and out, and, and played at a high level when he was in there. Um, and then you know you got Ja'Kai Moore and, and a couple other guys that have that have played decent amount of snaps, but kind of shuffling that. I mean, it does seem like the offense has really been in the rhythm. And, and Mario Anderson, man, that guy, like you can feel, you can feel his joy and feel his energy sitting in the stands with the way he runs the football, the way he gets up, jumping, the way he's celebrating with his teammates. Man, he plays with a passion that you know you wish all 110 played with uh, wearing garnet and black. So it's um no I mean I think Dow has done a good job of kind of teeing stuff up and keeping defenses honest. I mean shoot we're averaging I mean just just thinking out loud I mean probably over thirty points a game um, close to right around there and I mean that should be good enough to win most games in the SEC. I mean I, when I was in Atlanta our magic number was twenty three. If we if we scored twenty three points we won I think we were. 11 and five during my last three years there um, each year. So, I mean, it's um, you're sitting there and you're like, you have to find your magic, magic potion. I mean, we even had kind of, a, it got even broken down into numbers that, Hey, Devontae Freeman needs to touch the ball at least 18 times. Tevin Coleman needs to touch the ball X amount of times. Pat DeMarco needs to touch the ball zero times. Julio Jones needs to touch the ball X amount of times. So, I mean, we had the, we, we had the formula in there to, to, to win, um, and if, if we stay true to that, I see, I see the smirk. You, you heard the Pat DeMarco zero times. Um, but when you're able to go out and execute on what you really want to execute on and you're intentional about it, um, I mean, the offense is playing at a really high level, um, yeah. and you, and you can't bank on that week in week out. Um, so, I mean, hats off to scoring 39 in a game, but you had to score 42 this week. <laughs> Well, look, they've scored the most points, uh, um, or they've, they've, they, 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 let me re say that. Uh, they did not score. They're not, JV. You need, you need to drink out of this cup, and I hope you spit it out. <laughs> where's my, where's my chicken cock? Uh, they had, uh, they were on pace to score the most points of anybody probably this year against, uh, Georgia. And then Georgia really came out in the second half and made some tremendous adjustments, but what, that kind of forced South Carolina into a little bit of adjustment period. And since then they've scored 32 points per game in the sec. Mm-hmm. It has been good. And as I mentioned, you know, JC, I think said this earlier, uh, in the show as well, the, the, uh, Florida defense is pretty good. And yeah. I know that they haven't forced turnovers this year and, and, you know, they haven't sacked the quarterback a bunch, but, but they haven't allowed people to score either until the Gamecocks, Really put thirty-seven on the board because they took a safety for two. Um, so, you know it, it, what, what I'm getting at is you can you can throw numbers out all you want to. This number is low or that number, whatever. The fact of the matter is this offense has been improving tremendously from week one to where they are now. It's, it's it is a different offense. Period. Um, you've got a star wide receiver. You feel like now you found the solution at the offensive line. You've got a running back. I mean, the guy's averaged hundred over hundred yards a game the last three games. I mean, Mario Anderson's a good football player. And it was good to see Juju McDowell get back involved, right? I mean, he's kind of, he right. hasn't been featured much and touched the ball. I think he yeah, had two touches and two touchdowns. Yeah, um, they, yeah, they used him like they should. I mean, outside yeah. runs, uh, dumping it off to him in the slot, you know. Josh I mean, Simon. It's amazing yeah. hey. how, good, how good Juju is when he's not run into a brick wall, right? I, I've got – hey, Pat, how how is personnel – who handles personnel uses? I'm not asking this – I'm not I'm not dogging anybody or anything like that. I yeah. just – is that something that position coaches, they, they're the personnel guy? Is it is it 
the OC? Who, how's that? Well, you, are you talking about like different, um, you know, based on different formations and different, like, you know, you can yeah. have, you know, there's, we've talked about it, 11 personnel, 21 personnel, 12 personnel, 13, uh, but there's different packages for each personnel grouping. So uh, just going based off last year, because I'm more familiar with last year, but we had different personnel groups. I mean, we had three really good tight ends, Nate Atkins, Austin Stogner, Jaheim Bell. Like you had different guys. So we would, it would be, you know, you'd get in 12 Bell, you'd get in 12 Stog, you'd get in 12 this to put certain guys in different positions to make plays. Um, so th- that's more coordinator and then comfort level position coaches having their guys, you know, like having Jaheim Bell line up in the slot or having Nate Atkins line up in the backfield. So there's different, different ways. I mean, that that's a coordinator thing um, that gets cleared with the position coaches to make sure that they can really teach those kids and, and grease them up so that, you know, when the play comes in and you have 20 seconds to break the huddle, shift in motion, those guys are comfortable getting in those spots. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I was just curious. I know some people sometimes will handle things a little bit differently, and you wonder from time to time why, why certain guys maybe aren't playing uh, or – why certain guys are playing it's you know juju getting back in there saw josh simon had a nice catch i've been big on that kid for a long time i mean i i, he's I think athlete. he's, just he's a good himself. athlete and he's tough man he's uh he's definitely shown me an edge i think he's blocked at a really high level for us this year um for a guy that at western kentucky was mainly known for his receiving skills he's come in and elevated his game in the sec and he's answered the call uh i mean i think jody wright's done a, she did a pretty darn good job with his tight end group from a recruiting standpoint and the level of play, I mean, we've had that position has been rolling. And he, I mean, Eric Kimry did the same thing two years ago. So that position's definitely helping us out. Yeah, they uh, they had a nice day on, on Saturday combined between Trey Knox and, and Josh Simon in the tight end spot. Uh, Pat, final one, and then we will uh, we'll get you out of here again. Carolina Falls, 41 to 30, as we all well know this weekend. Uh, to the Florida Gators, and then back-to-back road trips are on deck at Missouri and um, and at uh, Texas A&M. When you, um, when you look at where they are here at 2-4, and four, I don't think anybody thought they'd be 2-4. and four. It, Not to say it wasn't a possibility, um, it, but when you, you take that, we've all watched enough of the SEC this year. I know we all have lives, Pat, and you're not sitting in front of the TV for 12 straight hours on – on Saturday afternoons, but this really is a, you've got Georgia at the top. You got seemingly uh Vanderbilt at the bottom, although them in South Carolina and Arkansas only have all two wins, um, but you just have a ton of teams in the middle that are kind of, it's, it's a very blue collar middle-class league this year. Yep. It really is. I, I just wanted to get some perspective on this from a guy who's played in this league and understands it inside and out. And, and, and again, this isn't trying to, I'm not trying to butter anything up here like, oh, well, South Carolina is this close. No, they're two and four. They are what they are. You are what your record says you are. Um, but it just seems like every team has a handful of plays. And if you make the large majority of those plays throughout the throughout the season, you generally find yourself at the top of that blue class, that middle middle class blue collar yeah. group. You know, I'm, I'm serious. Maybe only four or five plays. And if you if if you make three or four of those plays, they are. If you only make one or two, you're talking about two or three extra losses. And I just kind of wanted to get your opinion on that when you look around the league and realize that everybody's kind of in the same boat every week. But you just have to make you got to be able to make those plays. And yeah, then if you I mean, can, that changes it. 
that that is a that is something that resounds in an NFL locker room meeting room all the time. Is you never know what play it's going to be that's going to determine our success or our failure. Um, and I like, and that's why. I mean, I did that little uh, Gamecock Plus 2001 recap, and was sitting there and like, uh, like was very critical of myself watching the tape. If my guy made the play, and like. It's still held him. I mean, I'm still sour about it. Um, so, I mean, because you never know what the play is. Like, you know, that's why it's so important to chase the football. It's so important to rally. It's so important to when you have a, when you're in a sack position to get that guy on the ground because you never know what play it is. Um, I mean, shoot, just the sheer fact that if you block a punt or if you're or if you score a touchdown on special teams, your chances of winning go up like. 40% or 50%. It's, it's ridiculous. So um, you never know what to play. You got to play each play. Like it is the play that's going to be the deciding factor of a game. And that's, you know, that's cutting off the backside defensive end or it's the Hail Mary. Um, you know, no, no job is ever too small. It's um, you never know where it's going to be, but yeah, I mean, I just pulled up the SEC rankings and I mean, yeah, you're, you're hundred percent right. I mean, there are a lot of, you know, even in the East, the East is, you know, seven and under, two and six, but you know, five and two, five and one, six and one. There's a lot of those, um, and yep. we still have one, two, three opponents in the East. Um, and then you look at the West, and you know, we play only one more team from the West, but it's you still got the season right in front of you. Um, got to go out there, and make the adjustments this week. Um, come out and play against a really good Missouri football team that has been a pain in our butts the last couple of years. Um, and I know that, you know, Drinkowitz and, um, and Beamer don't see eye to eye and, 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 and I don't intend them to on Saturday either. It's going to be, it's going to be an intense environment out there. I mean, when we played there two years ago, I mean, we, we, we should have won that game. Um, but it's, you know, you, you never know what play. Uh, and that's what I would challenge, um, you know, each of the Carolina players is man, like, hold yourself to a really high standard. Um, you never know what play it, it is that it's going to be the change in the game. Um, so hold yourself to a really high standard. Be very critical of your play, not just in the games, but in practice, because your practice is going to cause your play to elevate. Um, so it's, you know, it's it's time to look in the mirror and, and figure stuff out at two and four. Nobody's happy here. Um, I know I'm not, um, but – it's like I said, we still got a bunch of football ahead of us. Time to rebound and go out to the other Columbia. And what's the trophy? What's the uh, what's the trophy called? The Mayor's Cup. The Mayor's, Mayor's Cup. Cup. Time to bring time to bring that Joker back to the real Columbia. Bring it back here to South Carolina. It's been a while. It is a very balanced offense uh, of what they'll see this weekend up in uh, Columbia, Missouri. They can throw it. They can run it. Luther Burden, one of the best wide receivers in college football. So is Xavier Leggett. Those two stars will get to go up each other opposite, of course, and uh, and looking forward to that. Good stuff as always, Pat. It was it was great to see you, my man, uh, on, on – I know I'll see you again here in the next couple of weeks. But um, hopefully by that time, South Carolina will be back to 500 and welcoming four straight home games uh, to Williams-Brice Stadium in November with a chance to do some damage. We'll see. Yeah. Hey, let's uh, move forward. Let's get some more tape, man. I like I like breaking down the tapes and seeing the X's and O's. I know life's been crazy. Um, it's on me. Well, I was actually my kids had a daughter's appointment this morning that I totally forgot about, yeah. uh, and uh, and so I was like, well, uh oh, 
you know, so I I ended up not being able to go. My wife had to take him. I just I had so much on the plate and I, I do it. But I promise you, next week, tape it is. We'll bring Let's out go. the old VCR and you know do, <laughs> do the whole nine yards. Yeah, I love it. Well, I always appreciate you guys having me on. Definitely, man. There you go. Thanks, Pat. There you go. Talking ball with Pat DeMarco here on Inside the Gamecocks, uh, the show, and uh, presented in part by the fine folks at Gamecock Traditions, where I get dressed every week, thanks to them, GamecockTraditions.com. You can order on our app. Again, I just mentioned a little while ago with uh, Michelle on Electric Bikes at Charleston. Christmas is coming. Hope you've saved your money. Gamecock Traditions can stock the stuff, the stockings, and Help you fill up all that wrapping paper that is probably sitting like mine in a closet somewhere. We need to go through and make sure that it's not infested with roaches. So, GamecockTraditions.com. All right, it's 12.42, timeout. Uh, John Whittle's ahead at 1.20 as well. We're not done. Going until 2 o'clock on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie Vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Not today, sweetie. One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. Because you've become my own. These windows could shut into the ground. These walls could fall right down. Don't have to tell mama.
State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Welcome back, everybody, inside the game. That's the show. 12.45 here. All those buttons that I just hit, nothing was working. So not until, of course, we start talking over it. So welcome back to the show, everybody. Happy to have Pat DeMarco on. Always good to talk to him and get some insider uh, as well as player perspective. It's interesting. I think that he, his experience being so long in the league is just, you know, invaluable when it comes to mentality of players and things like that. And, you know, having been on some successful teams, having been on some not successful teams, you know, just getting his perspective, I think is uh, a really unique, very really unique opportunity for us here on inside the game guys. Yeah. Uh, I'm not seeing anything about Luther burden being hurt. Craig chat box. Where'd you see that Luther burdens hurt? Yeah, I haven't Tell seen me. that. Brock Bowers is. He's having ankle surgery. And, Three to uh, six weeks he's well. out. Yeah. That yeah. does make that Florida game a little more. Because you just don't replace Brock Bowers. I mean, mm. no matter how good you are behind him, you can't replace that guy. I mean, he's he's one of the five best players in college football. So yeah. that, that will hurt the Georgia offense. Um, their receivers probably need to step up a little bit. So we'll see. uh See what happens there, but um, you know, I, uh, I, um, I'm still kind of in a state of disbelief, guys, about what happened Saturday. I just that was, um, well, it, it look, it's you know, again, they've they've, I, they've got problems. They get they got a. I mean, I, I'm not. I I really don't think that these are things that can't be fixed. I think that they can be fixed. I just don't know if um, if they will, and and so we'll just have to kind of see. Yeah, kind of I mean, see where it goes from there. It's uh, yeah. like I would feel a lot better if the next game was Vanderbilt at home or Jacksonville State. You know, like all right, yeah. they got to at least get some confidence back. You know, and get out there and get a win. But you got to go on the road twice. And if there's one thing we can say about Shane Beamer the last two years is just when you think that they're down and out, they're not. And you just hope that they find some of that magic potion like they have done uh, the last couple of seasons. I mean, last year, as bad as people feel right now, I, I'm not sure so sure that it wasn't worse after that 38-6 to debacle in the swamp. And you thought, oh, my God. You know, Tennessee comes to town, and then we got to go to Clemson. This is just going to be a nightmare. And they won both games. Um, so, you know, again, it's we, we've seen it. And it and it has turned around at the snap of a finger around here before, um, but it's hard to it's hard to to visualize that at this point in time uh, with the way that this defense has played because it it it's been pretty it's been pretty bad. There's no doubt. Same thing with the Clemson game. You know, they got beat thirty to nothing in the first year at Clemson and uh, against Clemson, and then you go to the Mayo Bowl and they thump North Carolina thirty eight to twenty one. So it can change. But um, but uh, you know we'll have to see what happens over the next few days to that as they prepare to try to make it do so. Yeah, and you know they're sometimes in college football teams are when, when there's when there's a team that's kind of gotten the best of another team, and they're not like an overwhelmingly like okay, so Alabama's beaten Mississippi State sixteen straight times. Well, we expect that to happen every year. 
Missouri, South Carolina, you know, even when the Gamecocks were two and eight, right, in Columbia, Missouri got off to it. And that Missouri team, that was Drinkus's first year, was a pretty good team. They beat LSU. They got to a bowl, whatever. Um, You know, they got up 17 nothing, whatever. And then the Gamecocks almost came back and won with Luke Doty kind of getting thrown to the fire. Uh, that's the game Cam Smith, Cam Smith finally uh, – dropped his whatevers, you know, because he, he was struggling. And then all of a sudden the light came on and he had a pick and that was, then he played him, played his way in the second round, you know, um, this is, you know, it was a three point game in Como last time. One of the worst offensive game plans I think I've ever seen in my life. The defense surprisingly got turnovers, but could not stop the run. Shocker, shocker. Um, you know, last year, Heck, a 17-10 ball game in the third quarter. It's anybody's game. It's not like Missouri's been blowing Carolina off the field, okay? And sometimes in situations like this, when you when you have a team, a program like Missouri, that's off to a fantastic start. I mean, you look at that 6-1. and one, We hadn't seen that from them since Gary Pinkle was the coach, okay? Yeah. Uh, and they won those divisions, and, and, you know, they were really good. Sometimes those teams that they'll, they'll go into a game like this. It's homecoming. It's a team we've beaten four straight times. It's a team that's two and four. And I'm not saying they relax or let up, but they don't always go out and play well. And I thought South Carolina in the Missouri game last year, with all the momentum they had, did not start the game and play well. And if you don't start well against the Gamecocks with the way Dowell Loggins is dialing up offense and Rattler's playing, you can find yourself behind. And I think getting ahead, uh, as ominous as that sounds right now after the blown lead last Saturday, uh, I think it's important uh, for the game, Kai. Because you, you let Missouri get out like 14 nothing, 14-3, heads are going to – I mean, it, it's going to be – you know, th- this team's probably not going to have it in them to come back. But if you get off to a good start, which I think could happen, just looking at how this game sets up, yeah, I mean, there's a chance Missouri's not unbeatable, folks. They're they're not uh, they're a very good football team, and I want to give them credit, and I expect them to win Saturday. But they're not unbeatable. Nobody on the schedule left is unbeatable. But Florida wasn't unbeatable, you know. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee wasn't unbeatable. North Carolina, North Carolina may be getting there. You know, I, mean, I don't know if anybody's followed Tar Heel football the last three or four weeks. They're pretty dang good. Sure look good. So yeah, they're uh, good. Uh, you know, but that's what's so unnerving about what we saw Saturday, JC, is like, okay, you, we have the one thing on this team that is the X factor that where you can win any game, which is a an elite quarterback, and yeah. you still lost. Yeah. <laughs> like I said before you got here, you can't and, score 37 points at home and lose, period. And he, he, he played well. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and the other receivers besides Leggett played well. Yeah. And uh, shout out Nick Harbour. 45-yard reception. Right. Call that right. thing, had it tucked in. That was good. Good catch. Yeah, um, now Mario, Mario like, and look at that. He is coming around. You finally have a run game. Yeah. Mario Anderson took it to him. Yeah. Spencer got 46 rushing yards. I mean, it, it, the, I mean, you got hit everything on offense you needed to win the game. You know, yeah. I mean, and, and look, maybe there's probably some things here and there. Yeah. Personnel wise, play call wise, that that, uh, that uh, Dow would like to have back, but man, uh, you, you can't expect perfection uh, on either side every single game. You have to play complimentary football. So, 
That's the thing there. Uh, you know, Ray Davis for Kentucky had a pretty good game running the ball for them Saturday night. It was Kentucky's defense got leaky. That's kind of a weird game, but, um, you know, I think you'd have an opportunity to run it with Mario if he's provided he's healthy because he did play through an injury second half uh, out in Como. I, I think he's a guy that can really, you know, I mean, he, he he's a guy now that you have to account for. Before uh, he got in the lineup and going, you just basically said, well, we got to stop Spencer Rattler in the pass game. Uh, but now you got to worry about Mario Anderson in the run yeah. game too. Uh, and that's making that side better. That's what's so frustrating about the defense. And every week I've sat here and said, the defense needs to play better. The defense needs to play better. The defense needs to play better. Uh, and I excused that Mississippi State debacle because it was a debacle, giving up that many yards, passing through the air to them, because I thought, well, they just kind of figured something out, and they'll fix it. Well, it hadn't been fixed. It hadn't been fixed. You know, um, so uh, give more money, says, look at look at Schrader. He's 5'8 in cleats. Yeah, it's going to be a battle of Division II running backs Saturday because uh, Schrader came from Truman State. Big school, man. <laughs> Record setting back, but he's good. I, I've always thought the world of that kid. So is Mario Anderson. So we'll see sort of um, sort of what happens. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. But I think the Gamecocks um, – you know, I don't think this is out of reach win-wise. Like I said, I'm not trying to blow sunshine, but every week's different, and you just kind of get that feeling. You know, this may be one where they catch Missouri sort of with their pants down and can go out there and steal one. And, you know, they go take a shot at A&M, and then you got four left to get the seven wins or six wins. You yeah. Know, I think that's the deal. Well, they, you know, you really want to – if if you can, you really want to get to a bowl game. That is for sure. And uh, right now, and, and and I want to point this out too. I was uh, mentioned just a little bit ago that um, that uh, you know they got it really turned around last year at the end and the whole nine yards. That's all true. That's all true. Uh, the the I think that uh, the difference in having that conversation, this com- the conversation about this year versus last year is that that South Carolina football team was bowl eligible. Um, when they got beat down in the swamp, they had already won six games, and um, and you know, so people knew they were going to be playing in the postseason, and uh, and you know, there was they were kind of going in the right direction. There are two wins on the board for Gamecock football this year, two, and 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 that's a problem. People look at that number, you know, had they beaten North Carolina or beaten somebody else, uh, and and this was a a three-one team or a four-one team off of that debacle on on Saturday, you would be sitting here thinking well, they got some things to fix. But boy, there's ample opportunity to still out, run out, win seven, eight games. They have two wins. It, it seems very, very daunting when you look at the schedule, and um, and and I understand why there is just so much angst at this point in time. There should be, there should be, because I'm not sure that anybody really expected them to be two and four through six, um, with essentially having to win five of the last six games, if not more than that, to have a winning record. (laughs) The Florida game, regardless, that was a must-have. I mean, you you got embarrassed down there last year. They're not very good. Um, They're they're, they're good, but not very good. Uh, Obviously, they had issues. Um, You got to have that one. I mean, I don't care. Beat North Carolina, don't beat North Carolina, whatever. You had that, that Florida and Missouri were the two that, 
internal contacts in North Carolina too. Uh, those were the three they had circled. Like, look, you know, win at Tennessee, win at Georgia, whatever. We're going to shoot our shot and play our best. But realistically, you know, you want to know the games we really, you know, based on what happened in the past and the games we really need as a program is Florida and Missouri. So Florida's out the door. Um, but you got a shot this weekend. I mean, that's why, that's why you end up, uh, that's why you got to go suit it up to put it on the tee and go play some football, flush that loss. I, I would hope they would, but, um, let's see, uh, see what happens. It is the end of hour two here on inside the Gamecocks. The show, John Whittle is due up in 20 minutes or so on our program. And we look forward to speaking with him and getting his thoughts on what we saw in the capital city over the weekend when we return we will take a uh, drive around the rest of the sec bam out of close one this weekend tennessee didn't score a lot of points and we know what uh, happened up in bluegrass country with missouri getting their sixth win of the season and more so we'll look back and we'll look forward to another weekend of sec football it seems right now so far away Jimmy Buffett takes us home inside the Gamecocks. The show built by the Barn Dominium Co. We'll be right back. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Sear Fossil, Caldwell, Banker, Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks.
final hour inside the Gamecocks, the show from the Signorama Studios. They are the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics, JC, JB, and Phil. A noon kickoff for South Carolina and Texas A&M just announced by the league in College Station coming up on Saturday, October the 28th on ESPN. Uh, so hopefully uh, Carolina can uh, yes, maybe – the Tom Lugan, Tom Luganville crew. The yeah, it should be Lugan. Tommy yeah, Lugan should be on that one. Georgia and Florida will be at three thirty on CBS, and Mississippi State at Auburn is also at three thirty. Tennessee at Kentucky that night at seven o'clock on ESPN. Vandy at Ole Miss will play at seven thirty on the SEC Network. So it'll be the Gamecocks and the Aggies that kick off uh, the SEC's coverage of college football on Saturday, October the twenty eighth. Uh, so after a slew of night games, you're talking about. Three straight day games this past weekend, this coming weekend in uh, Columbia, Missouri, and then the following in uh, at Kyle Field, which um, I honestly think that that's a pretty good time slot for Carolina to go over there and play in as opposed to having to wait around all day and kick it off. At I completely agree with you on that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. thank you. That Dude, it's loud. Like one of their games, I remember watching them play Oklahoma when they were both in the Big 12 one day, and it was a nooner. The place was loud. And they were hanging from the rafters then, so it's not it's not going to be any quieter. But at night, it, it they got a little extra oomph. I mean, Carolina's in the night games down there has really struggled. Um, you know, I think most of them actually guys have been played at night. I'm trying to think about it. Perry's was uh, during the day. Perry's was during it was a nooner in 2015. Uh, 17 was night. That was the God, Carolina had that one. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it though. Uh, 19 was at night late in the year, 30 to 6. And then 2021 was obviously at night, 44 14. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So you don't have to sit around all day. And uh, that may be good for this team. You know, I, I you know, AM did, lo- I remember they did lose to Florida at home last year and kind of a noon kickoff. And it just, it was kind of a dead crowd because uh, the Gators went in there and did some good things. But, uh, you know, so we'll see. I mean, that's uh, I think that's that's actually good news, uh, and there has been good news this weekend. You mentioned to Lewis Solomon earlier. Um, I, I just want to say this about that. I've, I've covered Carolina recruiting for a long time. Probably class of 05 is when I really dug into it, but before that too, it's almost twenty years. I don't think Carolina's ever flipped a kid from Auburn, in state, out of state, you name it. Auburn's flipped a couple from the Gamecocks. But I can't remember Carolina flipping an Auburn kid, like straight up flipping him. So that's historic, guys. <laughs> that's uh, that's not something that happens very often. So kudos to Taylor Edwards and uh, Tori and Gray because those two were the ones that got that done. Yeah, there's no no question. That is uh, is certainly good news for um, for for South Carolina. Look forward to that's a guy that you had mentioned a long time ago. Don't take your eyes off of him, and you were dead on. He is now in the 2024 class, another talented kid uh, for for Gamecock football. Speaking of A&M, guys, they did fall this weekend to Tennessee, 20-13, to 13, which slipped their overall record to 4-3 and three and 2-2 two and two in the league. Um, they will uh, uh, be off this upcoming weekend, so they get a week to prepare before Carolina comes to town, which is not outstanding news, offsetting the time slot at least. Uh, but um, so – they will be coming into the game at four and three and two and two, 
Uh, Georgia 37 to 20 up in Nashville over Vanderbilt. Brock Bowers goes down with a high ankle sprain in that game. Just announced about an hour ago that he'll have surgery and be out three to six weeks. If you know anything about Brock Bowers, he'll probably be back in three. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll find out. Georgia, of course, now is still undefeated. Vandy two and six, zero oh and four in league play. Bama and Arkansas this weekend. Bama squeezes by. They only scored three points in the second half at home against a stingy Razorback defense. Arkansas falls to two and five, zero oh and four in the SEC. Bama six and one, four and zero oh in the league. Although it wasn't pretty, it was a win, and Alabama continues to continues to control the West. Uh, Auburn uh, blown out at a and uh, LSU on Saturday. They lose by 30, 48 to 18. That one seemingly was over early, 17 to nothing after the first quarter, and LSU did not stop from there. The Tigers still don't have a win in league play. And the other Tigers that we'll see this weekend, Missouri 6-1, and 2-1, and one, uh, now with a win over Kentucky, who has all of a sudden kind of come back to earth the last couple of weeks at uh, five and two, two and two. Ray Davis, by the way, though, did have another 128 yards on the ground. That all tees up this weekend. We know about the game at 3:30. Mississippi State and Arkansas, a bottom feeder game. They are combined 0 and seven in the SEC. That'll play at uh, noon on ESPN, CBS. Third week in October, boys and girls. Uh, 17th ranked Tennessee, 11th ranked Alabama. Uh, Bama is a nine-point favorite at Bryant-Denny Stadium Saturday. Ole Miss is at Auburn Saturday evening at 7 o'clock on ESPN. They are six-and-a-half-point favorites in that one. And uh, the uh, late kick, 7.30 on the SEC Network. Kind of a really interesting late October game. You just don't see this often. Army is at LSU, and the Tigers are 30-point favorites uh, taking on the Golden Knights, and that is kind of what the rest of the league looks like. In the who in the hell scheduled this game category? Right. Army. Army. Army's, I don't think I don't think Army's having a great one of their better years this year. But why would you schedule that game? I mean, don't know who decided this. Ed Orgeron did it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, of course I want to play Army. Oh, I mean, I, I I can understand playing Army. It's really really weird how it fell in the schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. October for me is odd. Yeah, <laughs> because you like you don't see like you've got them, and then on November eighteenth, which hey, by the way, hats off to Sean Elliott. They're five and one now. The rest of their schedule, it ain't easy, but uh, but they are five and one as Georgia State. But they they go to LSU on November eighteenth. So the Tigers of their final five games have Army and Georgia State coming. That's just you just don't you know you just don't don't see that much. Yeah, it was like they, but well, they they played that opener with FSU, so they had to get their, you know, their their candy crush teams in later in the year, I guess. And yeah. I don't know that Georgia State's a candy crush team. I think Sean Sean's up this year. You know, they they kind of are up and down. Uh, they they kind of remind me a bit of Skip Holtz at East Carolina, because uh, Skip would win the conference one year, and the next year he's six and six, and back to nine and four. This is this is a cycle up, <clears throat> even though they lost some players uh, mm-hmm. to the portal and all that. But uh, heck, Louisville's best receiver came from Georgia State. So hats off to Sean; uh, he does a great job uh, with that program. That is not an easy job. If you look around the Sun Belt Conference, the Sun Belt is now like a miniature SEC. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got a bunch of small football, hellacious little small football programs that care. And uh, and so that's that's just – I mean, they threw James Madison in their last – James Madison, Marshall. I mean, how many – App State, Coastal. I mean, South Alabama. South Alabama beat the crap out of somebody, Power 5 on the road this year. I don't remember who. I mean, all those – Troy. I mean – that's it's a bloodbath in that league. It's a bloodbath. Well, the remaining opponents for uh, Sean Elliott at Louisiana, at Georgia Southern, James Madison and App State at home, and then on the road at LSU, on the road at Old Dominion. That's a those teams have a combined twenty five and twelve record. Those are all the the better teams too in the Sun Belt, of course, except for LSU. Um, James Madison and Old Dominion sandwich Georgia State at the top of the East. And then in the West, they've already played Troy, and they got beat by in Louisiana's right there, you know, right next to them. Um, and uh, and App State is uh, having an interesting year at three and three, one and one. So yeah, they they've got a bunch of really tough games left. They, he'll earn his money. He'll earn his money down the stretch if they can get a few of those wins. They're one game shy of playing in a bowl game, so certainly pulling for Sean Elliott. Uh, they, they next play at eight o'clock coming up this Saturday night on the road against the Cajuns. Billy Napier's former team, of course. I think they got a. Like a Thursday or game, yeah, yeah, at Georgia Southern the following Thursday. There, you know, the, the the Sun Belt, as we all know, you never know this time of the year. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Check the schedule; you'll you'll find one of those one of those teams playing. It's the Fun Belt, dude. The Fun Belt. Fun yeah. Belt. <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay. So, so uh, WJM four one says Oklahoma State. Yeah, South Alabama beat Okie State. Mike Gundy thirty three yeah. to seven. Um. Uh, Army Golden. Did I say Golden Knights? I meant Black. I meant oh, no, Knights. I did. Oh, I okay. said Golden. It's the Black Knights. Army. The Black, yeah. The, Army. yeah the, as Tim Brando, you say the Black Knights of the Hudson River. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's it. The Black Knights of the Hudson River. But uh, yeah. okay. Sorry about that. I meant but to correct that. Clint says Louisville had the worst loss this weekend. Yep, they did. Yeah, I think did. so. <laughs> but yeah. and, and Pitt has played like five teams. Pitt has played like something that rhymes with Pitt the whole year. Right. Pat Pat Narduzzi. You talk about a coach that can get his kids up sometimes. Never count Narduzzi out. That guy is a well, yeah, he's still a good coach. They're having a well, bad hold, year. He's still a good coach. But hold on now. Hold the phone real quick. Louisville with the worst loss of the weekend for top 25 teams because I could make a – Big time argument that Colorado's loss was worse. I, I, just about to sit here and say, yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah. bad Stanford team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah that's that, um, was, that was brutal. Boise State blew a 20 point lead with five minutes to go. That was brutal. Colorado State comes back and, and that was embarrassing, honestly, is how that kind of unfolded. Southern Cal was embarrassing. Oh, I agree. Uh, as but, as down as I was, I was uh, as much reverse right. psychology as I used on Notre Dame. I mean, and what you know, it's weird about that game, guys. So I looked at the stats, and I was like, "Well, Notre Dame must have just ran all over them, or whatever." Because I was watching, but not really following the stats. And dude, Notre Dame only had two hundred fifty-one yards of total offense. Now they had what's called hidden yards because ninety-nine yard kickoff return. That's still yards, but it, the, the total offense looks ugly. The bottom line was Southern California, they were not interested in playing in that football game. And Caleb Williams looked like donkey. Mm-hmm. They turned it over Williams five times. Out of the Heisman. I mean, it's done now, right? We can put we can close the book on that. <laughs> no Caleb. So. 
Yeah, no Caleb Williams. I, I'm not a big Caleb Williams fan because, uh, you know, number one, uh, if you kind of can connect the dots, I wasn't a fan of Jordan Addison leaving Pitt high and dry like that and going out there. Mm. Jordan Addison's a Maryland kid, D.C. area kid, right? Yeah. Uh, and then I think you guys know what I'm about to talk about here. Marshawn <laughs> Lloyd, also Maryland, D.C. area kid. Oh, wow. So is Caleb Williams, D.C. kid. So uh, I think that, you know, and, and then the demands, they keep running these demands up the flagpole with the Bears. Well, if the Bears get the number one pick, Caleb will just stay in high, you know, like, like, like what's his name's dad from Jerry Maguire? Stronger than Oak guy, you know? Yeah, yeah we're stronger than Oak. Kush, Kush. Kush. I just want to play football, you know? Uh, that kind of situation. And I'm like, look, man, number one, the Bears probably should not draft you. They probably should draft Drake May if they're lucky enough to get the top two picks in the draft. That's number one. Yeah, number two, who the hell are you to be telling a pro pro football what to do? You're not even, you know, you're good in college, potentially great at times, but you choke multiple a lot, a lot, you know. Uh, so, anyway, I, I think it's ridiculous. I, I think that that uh, – Taking a four touchdown beat down like that's probably good for everybody in that organization. Caleb Williams and his dad and Lincoln, no defense, Riley included. They have yeah. limitless resources there. <laughs> Why not go hire you competent DC and, and try to actually play that side of the ball? <laughs> Guys, it's like I, I said earlier, though, Alex. Alex Grinch at one point was an excellent DC, not just a good one, really good. When he was at Washington State coaching for the Pirate, I remember seeing a score one day. They went to Oregon and won thirty-three to ten. Like, and you guys got to know how tough it is to be a D coordinator for Mike Leach, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was really, really good. And then they hired him in Oklahoma, and and that culture is a no defense culture and. Now it may just be that, that they got figured out. And, and that was my point on Clayton White. I mean, I, I think just about every D coordinator goes through this where they figured you out and you got to change things. And the it, it's not that it's not good. Uh, it, it just may have played out, like just like Tyrone Nix, just like Brian Van Gorder, just like Alex Grinch. Uh, the great ones evolve, and they don't let it get to that. So – there you go. That's my. Uh, uh, it give, he says, "Tell us how you really feel about Lincoln Riley." I don't. I don't dislike Lincoln Riley. I, I just, you know, the defense thing bothers me. Uh, the, the 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 kind of midnight flight to L.A. bothers me a little bit. I, I'm sure he's a good guy. I mean, I've never had heard anything bad about him. Uh, I just think maybe he's a little overrated right now. Well, it's it. You know, hey, look, it certainly has seemed um, uh, very uh, not gimmicky, but uh, it's just it's never proven to work. I mean, when 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 you when you put the feet in the fire with, with his style of football, uh, it just it, it hasn't worked. It hasn't been able to get over the hump. And, you know, those guys have had an outstanding year out there. Southern Cal at six and one. But um, but I, I, you know, the top two teams in the league, they're six and one. They were top ten going into the weekend, and if my, my personal opinion is they 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 don't they're not even close 
to Oregon and Washington. Not even close. Uh, but yet they they all you know have pretty much the same type of record. Washington's of course six and zero now after winning that game against the the Ducks. But uh, but it didn't drop Oregon out of the top ten either. You know that's how good those two teams are. And Southern Cal was thinking that they might be just as good. I don't think that they're especially when Utah gets their quarterback back, the the rising kid. I don't think Southern Cal is close to as good as them as far as being a complete team. They can score on you, but they can't stop anybody. Utah owns them, too. Utah, yeah. like, and that was the, the great thing. Sometimes when you play a team twice, and I think we may see this in the Big 12 this year of Texas and Oklahoma rematch, it's tough to win again. Ask Auburn. Auburn blew Georgia's doors off in November in 2017 and then beat Alabama. They're the best team in the country for like two weeks. Well, then one of the running backs gets hurt. They have a rematch with Kirby at the Dome, and they lose by three touchdowns. It's hard. Utah, I think for the past two years, Utah has had a rematch against a team that they've beaten before. I think it was Oregon two years ago. And the next time, they beat them worse. Yeah. They beat them worse. They beat, beat them worse. Them <laughs> I mean, you know, that that's, that's you don't mess with Utah. You, they, they got a bunch of grown men on that team. They got a bunch of dudes that want to hit. They want to play football. They play great defense. They're very good on offense when they got their quarterback situation, and they're not bad when they when they don't. They find ways to win games. They don't always win, but they find ways to do it. And that team's tough. Oregon State is a beast. Yeah. Washington Washington State Washington State's kind of coming back to earth. They took a big L to Arizona, but hey, Arizona's had some good moments this year, right? Yeah. That whole league oh. is good. That hey, that Arizona team, I, they are they're dangerous. If you haven't actually paid attention, go look at the scores of every game that they have played. They they they're four and three, and they could very easily, very easily be six and one or seven and zero oh, uh, with some major wins. I mean, they've been right there, man. They just hadn't been able to. Kind of get over that hump. Jed Fish, when they hired him, I was like, ah, this is a two and shows you how much sometimes coaching yeah. hires go. Ah, Jed Fish, man, it's a two, two year and done deal, probably. Yeah. But no, he's done a great job. They are, they're getting there. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's very, very interesting that that's the, this league's swan song is, uh, is they, they kind of saved their best for last. It is time for a timeout. A couple of quick highlights from the AP's uh, top 25. Won't have to use this too much longer. The uh, college football playoff will be releasing rankings in about three weeks, I think. Um, But uh, Georgia, of course, continues to be at one. The top four is unchanged. Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida State. Uh, But some shuffling in the top ten. Washington now up to five. Oklahoma drifts back to six. Penn State drops down to seven. Uh, Texas moves its way up to eight. Oregon back to nine. And North Carolina has entered the top 10 at number 10. Bama didn't move. And then elsewhere, uh, the biggest movers and shakers. Uh, Southern Cal down eight spots to 18. And um, up six spots is Notre Dame to 15. Four teams now ranked that weren't, including Missouri, number 20. That's where Carolina will be this weekend. John Whittle is up next here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. It is time.
Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barn Doe Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock owned and operated. Welcome back, everybody, inside the Gamecocks of the show. Happy to have with us John Whittle, best in the business, habitual cheap app user, as you will see in his name, which we appreciate, of course. Don't forget, download the Chief app. It is free. You can get all the episodes of Inside the Gamecocks, the show, whether they be audio only in podcast form, or you can actually access the YouTube videos as well directly from the Chief app. Same for JC and Morgan. And while we cannot say very much, what we can say about the app is it's about to expand and have all sorts of programming available for you there. So keep on downloading. But Whittle, happy to have you, man. How are you? Uh, do you shake off the uh, the weekend here? <laughs> that was a bit grim. Well, I uh, just took the dogs to the vet for their annual checkup, and it cost way much, way way more than I thought it would. So, um, so we're having a great start to the Monday. Having a great start to the Monday. Can't quite flush the weekend when you have a bad no. start to the week like that, right? I, yeah, I get, the Jets did win. The Jets did win. I was about to. Hey, I put. I was about to text you yesterday, dude, and I was like, then I saw you had the questions thread going, and I was like, he may not want to hear from me today. Um, <laughs> so then I was like, but I, I was like, I, I sat there after the Bears debacle, and I was like, you know what, the Jets, yeah, that's you know, I, I, you know, the Eagles are due for a loss. And the Jets play against. So I put money on the Jets and won. So wow, yeah, 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 dude. I, yeah, not not just. I didn't even. I, they they were getting six and a half. But I, put, I put them on the. I put it on the money line. And they would win. Well, and I will. Uh, I I did like Robert uh, Salah's comment today, saying, "You know, we've we played six really good quarterbacks and, and embarrassed them all." <laughs> Actually. <laughs> That's yeah, true. Now, nobody's having a good game against the Jets. And nope. I got this info today. It came through my, my phone. It said uh, Aaron Rodgers could be back by week 12. Now, I'll believe that when I see it. It said it could be a miracle. Fast healer. Who knows? Uh, who knows? Well, well, dude, what's going to – the defense, man, that's the topic of the day. I don't think Why? you can avoid it. Why? <laughs> Why? 
perfectly normal to score 37 points on offense and home and lose the game, right? I mean, yeah, come on. <laughs> sure, let's, let's, let's talk a little defense. Why not? All right, so here, here's what I've noticed. And I, I said this, and I talked to Pat DeMarco a little bit, and he, he sort of agreed. All right, and I've noticed this since North Carolina. And I'm not a coach. I don't know how you fix it. I don't know how you tinker with it to where you can stop getting outguessed or out, out-schemed here. Opposing offensive coordinators against South Carolina this year, including Furman, they have all gotten their guys in favorable matchups one way or the other. Now, you know, Furman ran the slant the whole first half. Couldn't stop it. Finally adjusted, stopped it. North Carolina the whole game would get – Matchup nightmares. If it's Paysor on Keenan Nelson, if it's a tight end on Stone Blanton, they were they very good at scheming that way. Georgia, I don't know what Bobo was doing the first half. Second half, he found weaknesses and exploited them. Mississippi <laughs> State with Tulu Griffith over the top. Tennessee, maybe just overall, uh, but especially their perimeter run game. And then these these guys come to town, and you hold them to 71 yards rushing. If you'd have told me that, I'd have been like, Amcats are going to win this one by 30. And you give up yet another historically great passing game, and and you end the game. Their their last play for the winning touchdown comes when you have Nickham and Warray matched up with a uh, a guy running a deep post that's their best player, Pearsall. I mean, you got to stop when you go into the game. You got to stop Pearsall, Montrell Johnson, and Etn. They did a good job against the other two. But you gotta you gotta know that. I mean, and I, I'm not absolving the players here because, like Marcellus Dow, picked the wrong day to have his worst game, the wrong day, right? But I, I, I've watched this six games now, uh, and, and it, it kind of is in the other team has coaches too category. They're they they're they have figured it out. So so uh, you know, and and this happens to some defensive coordinators. This happened to some here. It happened to Tyrone Nix here. You know. Um, Sometimes you get figured out and you you got to adjust and, and, and reinvent some things. Uh, I think the great ones do. The good ones sometimes don't. What say you about defense and the scheme and, and how it's getting exploited? Yeah, I, I thought Florida did a, a good job of, of moving Pierce all around. And, you know, he wasn't lined up in the slot all night. You know, he went against he went against six different defenders in in coverage so you know i i thought they did a good job of moving him around and then when they needed a big play you know they they knew where to put him you know that nickel spot has been exploited by opposing teams all all season long going back to that that unc game um you know there have been five guys who have who have played uh, that spot. There have been three different starters who have played that spot. And if you'd have told me Nicky Manwari was playing playing there against Florida uh, out going into that game, I'd have said, heck yeah, that's great, great play because Florida passes, uh, half, almost half of their passes going into that game were behind the line of scrimmage. They're ranked bot- they were ranked bottom 10 in the country and, and, uh, average airtime per throw. So they aren't throwing the ball down the field. Their run game is, you know, in in short pass game is what I thought would would give South Carolina the most problems. So putting Email Warrior in there in that nickel spot certainly seems to make sense. But, you know, they uh, Florida was able to exploit that later in the game. Um, You know, Pearsall had had uh, I think it was five catches against Email Warrior in coverage. Three of them went for first downs, and and one went for a touchdown. Uh, 
So, you know, they, they were able to hit big plays against him. And, you know, I, I thought Eman Wari has, has done okay in coverage, you know, against, you know, especially lesser receivers, receivers who aren't, you know, the, the best on the, on the opposing team. But, you know, that nickel spot in general has been exploited. Uh, the, the Tennessee receiver, Squirrel White, um, um, uh, Griffin, Tolu Griffin from Mississippi State, Pearsall, all three of those guys had have had season high games uh, against South Carolina, and those are the three guys who have been been playing in that nickel spot against those teams. So, you know, that's been kind of a consistent issue for South Carolina in coverage, and is something that they're going to have to uh, you know fix. And maybe maybe it's maybe it's not that one guy. Maybe it's that not not just that nickel position that is going to have to uh, be better in coverage. Maybe that guy's going to need a little bit more help uh, safety over the top a little more often or, or whatever you need. But, you know, that's, that's where the bulk of South Carolina's passing yards are being given up is, is uh, against that spot. And it's not always that guy who isn't necessarily responsible. Sometimes the safety is supposed to have help over the top and not there or whatever else. But that, that's been that's been the main spot that's that's given South Carolina problems. As traditionally, John, uh, uh, do you recall like Clayton White even having these guys now who are you know up, you know moved on to the NFL and having that level of talent on the field? Like, is there has there ever been anybody that was has been in like shadow coverage where it's just like you just put your you put your top corner on their top wide receiver and he follows him around all day? And then you, you oh, bracket him if you need to or catch him in a good matchup, but you know, you don't you don't run the risk of say, you know, a good slot guy or a big tight end on a linebacker or a safety. Yeah, Cam Smith did that some last year, uh, especially against Jalen Hyatt. Um, but you know, South Carolina's also had some some pretty good corners. Like la- last year, Cam Smith played played pretty that nickel spot a, a ton. Uh, not not exclusively, but he played it played it a fair amount and, and played it the year before. And you know he's more of a coverage guy. Um, you know, Nicky Manwari is not more of a coverage guy. He's more of a a, a box you know run run guy uh, who's who's decent enough in in coverage, especially with the right matchup. But um, you know that's it's just kind of the way that position is 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 played right now. You know, Keenan Nelson is more of a cover guy, but you know he didn't didn't exactly look great in, in coverage, you know, early in the season, you know, maybe it's time for, for uh Kawan banks and more of a coverage role, but go, like I said, going into that game, you know, I, I thought, I thought Eman warrior would be a great fit for there because of what Florida had been doing offensively through their first, you know, six games of the season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Sorry, think you're adjusted to that very well, you know, early. I mean, you could see they were running the ball and then all of a sudden he just went to passing it and throwing it down the field and, they had success, unfortunately. Yeah. Say that again. Well, I mean, it's every it's every week. Sorry that I was gone for a minute. The power company decided to show up and knock on the door and tell us that they were changing the meter out, so our power was going to go off. <laughs> you know, no heads up, nothing. Just do whatever you want to do. Um, uh, I mean, I, I think that's one of the things in the grand scheme of all this that has been really frustrating. You know, losing games sucks, and everybody hates that anyways, and you're always going to diagnose what happened when you do lose games, uh, John. But, um, you know, you're, you're, you're consistently seeing things around here uh, that, seem, that aren't being fixed, 
and uh, you're you're seeing uh, that the high they, you know, the ticker every week. We all read it, you know, career high for Graham Merch, career high for this guy, career high for that guy, and it's 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 exhausting for fans to try to figure out. Well, look, why is it that the that these guys always are having a career game against South Carolina? What what is it? Does anybody know? Does anybody have the answer? You know, and and it just. There doesn't seem to be any answers, but as we pointed out earlier, there sure didn't seem like there were a lot of answers last year if they got beat in the swamp 38-6 to in the next couple of weeks, although the defense wasn't really that good. They were opportunistic, but they weren't good. They didn't win the next two games, so maybe there's more of that coming coming starting on Saturday. I don't know. Well, that's that's been the biggest defense or, or difference in, in the defense this year uh, is compared to the previous two. You know, South Carolina led the SEC in, in turnovers forced um, each of the last two seasons. And and two years ago, led it by either three or four turnovers. Like, it wasn't close. Um, they've, they've turned the turned teams over uh, 24 times each of the last two years. Um, you know, this year is, is you know, just not happening. Um, you know, South Carolina's only two teams have forced fewer turnovers than, than the Gamecocks so far this year. And, you know, they missed some opportunities in that game. Uh, on Saturday against Florida, uh, you know, Marcellus Dial had a had a ball there. Um, you know, in the uh, I think it was a final touchdown drive. It was either the it was a fourth fourth quarter interception or, or or pass. I think it was a final touchdown drive that that he could have could have had an interception there, and you know, just just didn't come down with it. But there were there were plays to be made out there. Um, you know, this this past weekend that that uh, just, just weren't made. And, you know, I, I do there, – there are problems that continually happen um, for this defense in the last couple of years that have, have just not been fixed, to your point. Um, you know, run defense, tackles for loss, like consistently at the bottom uh, of the SEC. And those, those things have to change. You have to be able to make some plays every so often in the backfield and create some pressures, some sacks, some turnovers, whatever. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do think, and while I'm not giving Clayton White or, or the defensive staff a pass on, on this past Saturday, it's my opinion that, you know, there were, there were plays out there to be made more so than usual that players didn't make. They were in the right spots and in right position, and any, any one of a half a dozen plays could have changed the outcome of that game. Some are very obvious, like Marcellus Style missing that, um, you know, fourth down tackle you know, ended up being right around the line of scrimmage for and gave up a fourth and 11. Um, I mean, that plays like that one are obvious, but there, there are half a dozen others that that uh, that could have changed that game where where players were in the spot to make a play and just didn't do it. So, you know, I, I'm not giving the defensive coaches a pass because I there were there were opportunities for, for them to do better things as well. But, you know, this is the first time I felt like the players left the, left their coaches out to dry a little bit this past weekend. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I think we're all collectively saying the same thing here, um, but it's also kind of the what came first, the chicken or the egg type conversation, you know, because, I mean, like guys that make the same mistakes over and over, are they being coached well or are they just not listening? You know what I mean? Like I, it, it, we're all, we're stiffing it. We're all over it. You know, it just, it just hadn't, and they lost a lot of talent from last year. Um, you look at guys, you look at Zach Pickens in the NFL. I largely thought he, when you looked at the stats, 
that he underperformed at South Carolina, John. Uh, looking back at it, I, I don't know that he did underperform. I think that the rest of the guys had a bunch of stats because he was doing what he was doing in there. Um, you know, you look at T.J. Sanders. T.J. Sanders has four and a half sacks this year. Y'all realize that? Four and a half. He really didn't even play for the first two games of the year. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I there's, too, there's too much talent on this side. I know that a lot of people are going to disagree with me when I say that. That's fine. I don't care. But there's too much talent on the defense for them to be performing the way they are. So, you know, whosoever fault that is, that's up to the head coach to fix that problem. Um, and uh, and they need to do it sooner than later, or they're just going to continue. These problems are only going to get worse. It's going to you get you almost get the feel like that PTSD feel. Remember the end of 2020 under Muschamp? Every week was just like exhausting because you knew they were going to hang 40 and 50 points on you. It's where people are, and I understand why they're there because. Nothing's getting fixed on that side of the ball, and I feel like there's too many good players for that to happen. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, there there's more talent to uh, play a lot better than they are. Like, I don't yeah. think this is a, a, a top half of the league defense, um, but it, it should certainly be a lot closer to the middle of the pack than it is way, way down, you know, well well below everybody else in terms of points allowed and, and yards given up and, and, and all of those things, third down conversions. Uh, fourth down conversion shoot. I mean, uh, it's it's uh, ten out of thirteen fourth down conversions they've given up. Technically, ten out of fourteen, but you know, one was Florida running out of the back of the end zone or whatever the heck it was they did um, to end that game. So, uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's been really disappointing. They haven't played up to their potential, and I think it was Dowell Loggins who who said it. And, and it's I'm making a general point versus you know a, a, a offense specific point, but Dal Loggins said, you know, you're, you measure a coach by how much they, how much you get out of their players, how, how much the coach gets out of their players and how, how well they're performing can compared to, you know, how they should be performing. And, you know, to your point, you know, South Carolina defensively is a, is a, is a whole, they're, they're not getting, they're, they're not getting, they're not squeezing all the blood out of that tournament. No. There, there's a lot more in there that, that, uh, that, that they can get. There's two freshman All-American in this secondary, man. You know, you got two guys at corner that are starting that have been here for you – know, they've been playing college football for, what, six or seven years combined. I, I ain't buying it. You know, that. Uh, well, they're just – they need more – no, no, they don't. I mean, yeah, you can always use more talent. I get that. But, like, the rankings that this – where this defense is, as far as where they rank in college football, uh, with some of the major stats on that side, it's it's – ludicrous i mean it doesn't line up no it doesn't and not even close like and if by the way if you're not one of the top four or five or six defenses in the sec that doesn't mean that you're not one of the top 30 or 40 or 50 defenses in college football sec generally has really good defensive teams and it's hard to be one of the best teams in this league year in and year out that's very difficult to do but if you're one of if, if this team had a top 40 defense john they'd be five and one so, you know, but, you know, we celebrate recruits in this, that, and the other all the time. And I'm sitting here looking, you know, the guys that I saw play on Saturday, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight four-star guys, if not more than that, two freshmen All-Americans, all the starts that are returning. I mean, that makes sense. That makes it a guy that's never thrown for 300 yards in his career throws for 423. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. So, you know, they, they got to come up with some type of answer. 
uh, or they're going to be had more yards receiving in that game against South Carolina for Mississippi State than he's had the entire rest of the season combined. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, like I, I'm not interested in dogging coaches and calling for people to be fired and this, that, and the other. Okay, that's not. But I, but I am interested in having the conversation of fact versus fiction. These are facts, so you know if 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 that's factual, somebody else who's smarter than me can figure out the answers. I would hope. Something that's yeah. I mean, it, it's just you can't keep doing. It's like Steve Spurrier used to say: you can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. And and it's there's nothing that's been changed. Um, you should never be in a situation where it's a pick your poison type of deal. Like, okay, well, we have to do all this to stop the run, and we're just going to live with. Guys like Graham Mertz and Will Rogers throwing for a combined what a thousand yards? <laughs> Graham Mertz, uh, nine hundred and seventeen. They've given up nine hundred and seventeen passing yards in the last two home games and seventy-one points. Yeah, and those aren't the most <laughs> explosive offenses in the league. Yeah, no, <laughs> we're not. They're not. We're not talking about anybody that's really that great, you know. So, I, I just think things have to change and. You know, people are talking about Marcellus Dial. He did have a bad game Saturday, but he's been he's been like he hasn't been the issue. Teams haven't been thrown at him because he's been covering guys. He's been actually pretty good. I know O'Donnell Fortune was banged up, but I, I just don't say I don't think it's as easy as these corners and safeties suck. I, I I'm convinced it's matchups and 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 whatever they're calling against what other the other team's calling isn't working because the other team wants that. They want that bad matchup. You know that's what oh, that's what football is all about. It's matchups, right? We hear that all the time, uh, and 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 teams are consistently getting that. You know, so 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 you have to counter. I, I think. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not laying it all at the feet of coaching because I think sometimes that's overrated. And I know that you know there were certainly some player issues Saturday that, that if they'd have done a little bit better, done their job, Carolina would have won. But this has been consistent over six 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 games. You know, they, it's just, you know, good call versus bad call. Good call versus bad call. And I think I think, I think, think opposing offenses have figured it out, man. Uh, and that happens. I went through like four or five different scenarios where you have a D coordinator that's really, really good, and then he gets figured out, and he's not very good anymore. The great ones adjust and move forward. So that, that that's my, my thing there. John, with two with consecutive road trips coming up. Um, by the way, nice nice kick times. Two thirty at Missouri, uh, eleven a.m. in in uh, College Station. I, I think that bodes well, at least at least for the Gamecocks. I think that one of the big challenges for Shane this week, in addition to just preparing his team to go play the game and and trying to get things cleaned up, is is there it is going. There's no way to cut this. Then starting today through. Friday with programs like these and you know everything else out there it, it's not going to be very positive and and these kids are exposed to everything um so i i think that this week in itself is as big of a challenge as actually preparing the team uh to play in the ball game um, potentially but this has always been a really tough ball game for South Carolina anyway. Um, Missouri's had South Carolina's number, one four in a row. Drinkwitz has had, had South Carolina's number. Missouri looks pretty damn good right now. Um, you know, they they went to Kentucky and kind of walked the dog there. I didn't get to watch a ton of it, but I got to watch a, enough of it to make me think that Missouri was uh, 
far outclassed uh, the Wildcats. And, you know, Kentucky was the top 25 team um, going, going into that one. So, you know, it's uh, it's going to be difficult mentally, but it's going to be difficult on the field too because 6-1 Missouri, they they look – they look pretty darn good, and and they've got one of the best best out of conference wins in the SEC too, with uh, that Kansas State win earlier this year. So, you know they and they went and did that one on the road. So, um, going to be a in, incredibly difficult test. And I haven't really dived in too much to to Missouri to to know what they're all about beyond you know Cook and Burden out there. But that's going to be uh, uh, hopefully uh, hopefully uh, South Carolina doesn't give up receiving records that day no, it's, it's, a, it's a balanced offense is what it is they're it's very a, balanced very good they uh mm-hmm. they, you know they're not a, it's not a bunch of world beaters but they're better they're a good football team i uh i've been very impressed with what they've done uh this season um not to say carolina can't win because they certainly can sure but uh missouri probably thought they weren't going to win coming in here against the mighty five and two gamecocks last year who just beaten A and M and Kentucky, won four in a row. Guess what happened? Missouri won twenty three to ten, I think. Twenty three yeah, to ten. So, yeah, sometimes, sometimes you got to hope the other guy has a bad day, right? So, yeah. we'll yeah. see sort of what happens there. But uh, well, I, it, Mertz, I, I tell you what, Mertz in the first half, they left a lot of plays out there. I looked at Hale after I think their second or third series, and I was like. Mertz is missing on some wide open dudes. And, you know, I, that's the vantage point that we get from the press box. And we, we get to see the all 22, so to speak, from sitting a mile high above everybody else. Mm. And there, there were guys, there were guys running open that he just missed. Like it could have been, it could have been worse. So. Hey, you, know. you can make the argument. Carolina fans might, might've rather it been worse. Then lose the way that that it, uh, that they did at the end of the season, but it was or at the end of the game that was, yeah, that was tough. Uh, very reminiscent of three ball games that happened back in 2014. You can score a bunch of points, but you can't stop anybody. And uh, double digit leads late in the game, can't hold on to them. It is uh, those are the things that stick for a long time. John, before we let you run here, real quick, uh, any any update on the baseball front? We know they've been on the diamond and uh, they're starting to practice the. Intel I got this weekend is they're knocking the you know what out of the baseball, but uh, uh, and they like where they are with the staff, but it's going to take a little bit more work to kind of get them where they need to be. But offensively, they they've just kind of picked up where they left off. Yeah, offensively been really good, a lot of home runs, um, you know, which is great for great for a team offensively. Yeah, uh, I think that. The a lot of the right guys are, are pitching pretty well right now, but they're going to have to get, you know, three or four of those borderline guys to be able to take on bigger roles and pitch better than what they have in the past. Whether it's a uh, a Tyler Dean or Austin Williamson or a, a Joey Wittig or or a Drake Quinn, like some of those guys who who uh, who maybe haven't been so good or are coming in or, and are kind of on the periphery a little bit, those guys are going to have to to step up and, and be a little bit more consistent than, than what they've done in years past. So you know, we'll kind of see how that evolves. We're mid-October, season's Long mid-February. Um, they've had two weeks of scrimmages. So, you know, there, there's there's still a lot of time still to go to figure some of that stuff out. They're, they're not – 
they're not in a bad position. They're they're in a they're in a probably a better spot from a pitching standpoint right now than where I thought they'd be. But they still have a ways to go in terms of getting coached up and and you know putting some things together and find figuring out some roles and so forth. So not discouraged by any means of where the pitchers are, uh, but certainly certainly uh, got to be very pleased with what's been happening offensively. Uh, a week from tonight, by the way, they uh, members of the Gamecock baseball program will be in Spartanburg, uh, hanging out with the uh, the Miracle League of Spartanburg up there for their trunk or treat event. And uh, so, thanks to Gamecock baseball for supporting a bunch of guys and gals that cannot wait to meet them. That's going to be pretty neat as they head up the road to the Sparkle City. John, we'll let you run. Uh, I know you had a vet appointment earlier today. Hope the pups are well, and we always appreciate you on Mondays keeping us sane. We'll try to do it again next week, maybe maybe under better circumstances. Squirt and Cooper are well. My wallet is not, but I appreciate no. you guys having me. Never is. <laughs> Take care, John. Squirt, you're the man, Squirt. See you, man. Thanks. There you go, John Whittle. All right, uh, I want to remind all of you again, we will be live on remote, or at least I will, uh, if you are going to be in the Somerville area on Friday at Palm Casual, it is their warehouse clearance sale. They do it every year. The sale begins Sunday morning at 7. We'll be there Friday because we will not be on the air Sunday morning at 7. Absolutely not, according yeah. to my contract. But we can promote this deal on Friday, and we really can't wait to do it. Aaron Beasley is the owner. He's a great, 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 great friend. Palm Casual is the largest outdoor cushion manufacturer in America, but you will not believe the discounts that will be there. So if you're going to be anywhere near the low country on Sunday and you need outdoor furniture, I'm, I'm, this is not a sales pitch. This is not fluff. This is nothing. I'm telling you right now, you will not be able to get better stuff than what they're going to have here, 60 to 80% off. This thing is a blank show every year. I mean that in a good way. It is jam-packed with people. It is a blast to go to. And it's good that it's jam-packed because they have so much stuff. Uh, my wife and I are participating. Cannot wait to upgrade our back patio. Uh, JC, the porch that you and I sit on out there in the in the screen porch, we're planning to 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 move that somewhere at least and and uh, get that upgraded. Uh, so sixty to eighty percent off of what is already low factory pricing. Wicker seating, teak, cast aluminum, polymer furniture, uh, umbrella, you name it, it is there. Palm Casual, and, uh, and that's at three fifty. Holiday Drive in Somerville. We'll be there from 11 to 2 on Friday. The sale begins at 7 a.m. on Sunday. You've probably seen the spots already running in our programming. Michael Flint will be live with me on Friday as well. And uh, really just can't wait to get out there. We're going to get Aaron Beasley on. He's the owner. You'll love this cat if you've never met him. As big of a Gamecock fan as ever existed on planet Earth. And, um, And really can't wait to see those guys. So come see us Friday. And certainly go spend your money on Saturday and save a bunch with the warehouse clearance sale. Y'all need hey, anything? Uh, you want me to pick you up nice. something while we're there? Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. I could use a new set of cushions for uh, the porch furniture out back. It's time to freshen those up. So. Dude, they're going to have, seriously, they're going to have sun, listen to this, sunbrella cushions this week for as low as, and when I say as low as, this is one of those like spooky sales pitches where you're like, oh, okay, so the ripped ones. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> Real Sunbrella cushions, ten dollars a piece. Can you believe that? Ten dollars. I was like, dude, how are you doing that? He's like, we got to get rid of it, man. That we just we let it go, we let it fly. So, 
we have to update some cushions too because I didn't put a cover on the other uh, the other couch out there. Oh, that's on Sunday. <laughs> yep, ten dollars, man. So if you see if you if there's something you want, you tell me. I'll probably I, maybe I can snag it beforehand. Yeah, I'll, uh, yeah. Let me see. We'll check yeah. it out. That's too good to be true. It's amazing. They do an amazing job. So. Um, what is tomorrow? Tuesday. Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So we'll have oh, uh, yeah. That's the day before Wednesday. Yeah. 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 After Monday, typically. G- generally, yeah. But, yeah. Hail first hour and uh, Mike for the back two, mm-hmm. and Brad Crawford will join us at about one oh five tomorrow. So we'll get Brad's thoughts on defense. Defense, yeah. Defense. You know, I if I if I had to ask this question to both of you, would you rather be known as an offensive school or a defensive school? What would you rather be known as? Yeah, you got to pick one. Defense every I'm time I would. Yeah, I'm with you. I just the, 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 you they've never won in Columbia without a defense. Never, never been able. Look, to I mean, here's the thing: Iowa sucks, right? Like their yeah. offense is terrible. It's it's nepotism at its finest. They could legitimately make the playoff. <laughs> Scary thought. The defense Man. by scoring 12 points for the rest of the year <laughs> because they, yeah, they punt and stop people. Well, I mean, they beat Wisconsin 15 to 6 this weekend. Those scores are few and far between anymore, you know. I I, I just – and I'm not saying that that's, uh, that's what it's always going to be around here. It's not. I mean, that that's – No, and I mean – that, That's I mean, over. But yeah. this is you can't do it and get away with I'm not saying this isn't news. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's no. watching is like, duh. Uh, yeah, no, I know. Uh they're they're just bad. And they they they, they gotta be average, but if you could pick one or the other, I would average. hang my hat on defense. Hang yeah, your hat on average. defense. Well, Every single but week. it also I mean, is it is what South Carolina is though. Every school has a yeah. DNA. South Carolina because of your, your access to there's more defensive talent you have access to than offensive um, across the board. I'm not saying in all positions, obviously, because the state puts out a ton of wide receivers <laughs> and uh, and all that. But you you can always find defensive players in South Carolina and, and around South Carolina that are good, and they've never been good. I mean, right, name a team that was not good on defense that that won big. And I'm not, I'm not and, uh, I mean, people may say 2018, they won, they got to a bowl, had a bad defense at the end, but that, that wasn't a great team. 2014 wasn't a great team. Um, you know, last year, uh, maybe that's, that's the one you could point to because they did beat two top 10 teams and, I thought they were pretty good on defense in those two games, uh, you know, but, but South Carolina historically, if they don't have a good defense, it's it's the Brad Scott, Sparky Woods era. In a lot of ways, the Will Muschamp era as well. I mean, people, people, after about year two, his defenses were not good at Carolina. Maybe, maybe some in 2019 down the stretch. But uh, I, 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 that you have to have that side of the ball. Now, in today's game, do you have to hold teams to like 9.8 points per game? Do you have to be Iowa? No. You, you need to have a good offense too, and, and, and I think you can get there. But – you have to have uh, a good defense at South Carolina. And uh, the, the personnel to performance does not make any sense. You know, people are 
we're all looking for answers. Uh, you know, look, yeah, okay, Jordan Birch, could they use him? Yeah. Gilbert Edmond, could they use him? Yeah. Uh, you know, Cam Smith and Darius Rush were going to the NFL. They were replaced by two veterans that have played a ton of football. You don't expect there to be that like, a gigantic amount of drop-off, and there really isn't with the corners. This is way more of a getting favorable matchups with safeties and then egg-headed missed tackles and things like that. So I, I it doesn't make – the talent they're putting on the field uh, and what a lot of these guys have shown and proven to do, not just their recruiting ranking, but what they've proven they can do at times. The Boogie Huntley's, the Tom Hemingway's, T.J. Sanders. Even Stone Blanton has some moments, you know. Uh, Debo Williams has some. O'Donnell Fortune, Marcellus Dial. They've all proven they can play individually. So this is not a major talent thing. Could they use more talent? Everybody could. But these guys all individually have shown they could show. It's just like, I hate to say, it's kind of like the offense last year. We all knew that individually, a lot of those guys were really good playmakers. And you just got to put it all together. Um, and, I, and, and before I say that I think it's just 100% an easy fix like offense was last year, I don't know that it is defensively. Defense is a different animal. Um, I don't think it's as simple as saying simplify or whatever. Maybe so. Maybe you need to get a little more exotic. I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, X's and O's wise, in game there. But uh, it's it's definitely not this bad because Carolina doesn't have any any talent. I mean, even the fourteen defense. Yeah. As much as they blew it, yeah. they had some good games too, and, and they were much less talented than this bunch. Much less. The numbers twenty four. You give up twenty four points per game. You'll have a good year. In the, in the SEC, that's going to keep you in the top five or six every year. They're not close. They're at 30, almost 32 points per game right now, and they'll have to find a way to fix that moving forward. But we are out of time because it's 2 o'clock, and my contract says I get to be done not at 2.01, but at 2. So I'm going to go get something to eat. It's all on a round talk for the next couple of hours. Have at it. I'm tired of talking about how bad you Yali, yes, between yesterday and today, Saturday night when I got off the phone with you, remember when Flint was calling me? Mm-hmm. Since then to now, I don't ever want to hear the word defense again. But I got a feeling that tomorrow we're going to have to talk about it more. Something tells me it's going to dominate the conversation for until at least Wednesday. Yeah, I think so. And then we'll be on to, we're on to Missouri. We're on to Missouri. Oh, we're yeah. on to Missouri. You got a leg. You got a leg. Hey, tonight, uh, if you're going to be watching baseball tonight, which I would imagine you all are, there's a uh, nice lineup of sports. The Cowboys and the Chargers play at 8.15 on ABC and ESPN. And then, of course, on the baseball side of things, the Rangers and the Astros. Hats off to Jordan Montgomery for shoving it up the rear ends last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1-0 Rangers lead, 437 today on Fox. And then tonight, TBS, Diamondbacks, Phillies, game one there. Don Staley will be throwing out the first pitch in that ball game before they crank it up in Philly at Citizens Bank Ballpark. So go get them, Don. Go strike. Go strike. Thanks to uh, John, Pat, Phil, JC, and all of you. It's great to see you. We sure did miss you. 
Good news. We'll be back tomorrow at 11, built by the Barn Co. and served, thank God, by Chicken Cock Whiskey because I have a full cabinet of it now. Inside the Gamecocks show. See you then.